my gosh. My whole like PP area just contracted in on itself. Like, yeah. Every time I turn on my table saw, I count my fingers and say, this is the last time you have 10 fingers. Oh my God. There are these ideas of like how you would like to be and postures you might take on. They're postures, but they are still informed by real things that you feel and want. Chris, I like t-shirts too. And I saw you have a Dexter's Lab t-shirt. I really like your shirt. And he's like, yeah, t-shirts. And he puts his hand up for like high fives. And oh, it was so good. That is adorable. All right, and we are live. Welcome to Long Walk Short Drink, episode 67. This is Palmer, your co-host, podcasting to you from Dayton, Ohio. And this is Dave talking to you from Northfield, Minnesota. All right. It is Wednesday, April the 3rd, uh, 2019. That's when we're recording this, for those of you listening uh, on the podcast episode. Uh, Dave... How uh, you want to bring everyone up to speed on how you're doing? This is a big week for yeah. you. <laughs> I'm doing okay. I had a kidney stone removal surgery two days ago, and I'm not doing as well as I'd hoped. But I guess I'm doing fine in terms of like there's no nothing wrong with me as long as I can continue to urinate. That's that's good. <laughs> I'm told. <laughs> Which of course, yeah, yeah, that would. Oh my god, that would be terrible. But oh. I, <laughs> I'm not my necessarily my like. <laughs> that would be like that's that's the complication where I got to worry about and then go to the emergency room should that happen. Yeah. But, oh, it's horrific. But yeah. Um. So I've got a, a stent in uh in my person some uh, a foreign object <laughs> between connecting uh or in in the whatever in the tube connecting my kidney and my bladder so that's uh, uncomfortable and it hurts when i pee and i have to pee often so it's oh. drag and there's a lot of blood in it so <laughs> oh <laughs> that's God more than damn. anyone wants oh, to know oh <laughs> my gosh my whole like pp area just contracted in on itself like yeah yeah, that sounds. Yeah, oh, I'm so it's, sorry, it's a man. Mess. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but it's I, I thought, awful. what better way to spend the evening, regardless? Um, you know, I could either be sit around and annoy the bride with my bitching and moaning, or I could, you know, annoy you. Oh <laughs> and <our> no! Listeners. <laughs> no, I, I think it'll be fun annoying. to just get out of my head and body here for a little while and yeah, talk about whatever. We feel like so that I mean that's really the long short of it. Other than I, I so the, I do have to have the stent removed next week, and that I'm not looking forward to. But all of this has been so sort of generally uncomfortable and painful. Well, it's one more thing. <laughs> well, you're an absolute trooper. Uh, I tried to make sure you had every out on getting out of recording tonight if you didn't want it, and uh, 
So absolute trooper. I don't know if I could bring myself to do it two days after to sit and um and talk. I'm so good on you, man. I'm I'm well, I'm here for you. I'm here to you. I'm I'm happy to be a distraction. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um so yeah, well, no. that's very nice of you to say though. I've not really been a trooper, I've been a nightmare to the bride. <laughs> My, I'm such a terrible sick person, you know, or like when I'm not well and, you know, I'm, my patience is just paper thin and, yeah. And I was scared. Like they sent me home with this sheet saying like things to look for. Yeah. Um, and I had the things that they said. So I was worried. I was scared. And then I finally talked to the nurse and she's like, no, you're, this is all normal. I was like, oh, well. <laughs> Maybe not put it the on the things said. to be scared of then. Like, <laughs> yeah. why is it on that list? Yeah. Well, if it's so. like that, then yes, you should be scared of it. Yeah. I swear I have like the thing. My, my urologist is, has got a terrible bedside manager. I think I mentioned, uh, but he mentioned like, it's like 1% of the people when you pee like it'll hurt the whole time you pee and feel like you're passing a stone like from your kidney to your and i'm like he was like but that's one percent of the people i want you to be aware of it and i don't know that kind of feels like what i'm dealing with so either i'm in the one percent i don't know though like exactly what passing a stone feels like and i happen to know for a fact neither does he so (laughs) fucking dick jeez i will say my I think I haven't really had a general practitioner, but um, I've gone to the same doctor a couple times now and he happened to have had one. And I, I think he is going to be my general practitioner because I just appreciated his, he asked me like, you have any questions? And I was like, yeah, I'm concerned about this like thing where they remove the stent. And he just likes, it was great. He stopped everything, just like sat back in his chair and took his time to answer all my oh, questions. Oh, that's so really nice. Cool. That, yeah, so I really appreciate him in that moment. No, that I I really feel like um, uh, I don't know. Doctors now they just treat the laptop that's in front of them so they can like check off as much as they possibly can to bill for. And uh, I the are not the doctor we have now, but the doctor before that. That's why I we stopped seeing them because he oh. just like. I only knew I could only recognize him from the like nose up because he was just constantly oh, no. behind a laptop typing stuff in and just like, yeah, the last, yeah, that'll not do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just crazy. So the last time I was on, um, antidepressants, he's the one that put me on them and I went back. Well, at first he was like behind the computer and he's like, well, do you have this? And do you feel like this? And, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, he like literally look, pokes his head around the side of the laptop and he's like, you're, you have depression. And I'm like, <laughs> like <all> excited. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And he's like, yeah, we're going to write you the script for this stuff. And I'd been on him before already. And then I had like complications from them because Ash and I were trying to have a baby. And if you're a boy and you take, and you've been on any kind of medication like that, uh, do not be afraid to talk about the fact that your dick stops working when you take those pills. And, uh, and when you have the pressure from literally everything your entire life telling you, this is the one thing that you're supposed to be able to do as a boy and you're already fighting depression. And then like your dick doesn't cooperate and your wife's just like, just put a baby in me. And, and then you go to your doctor and you try to tell him that and he won't come out from behind the laptop. And like, 
says, no, you have to keep taking them and blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah. Oh, that treated yeah, the laptop and just would not listen. So I didn't see that guy anymore. So that's good. Do you have a better one now? Oh yeah. She's awesome. Great. Oh, that's doctor. right. I yeah. remember you mentioned that. Yeah. So I did say, and I stopped taking those antidepressants. Uh, because it was more important to have sex with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I support that. <laughs> I, yeah, I stand by my decision. So I'll work my demons out on here and then still have sex with my wife. And it's a win-win in my opinion. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> man. So, wow, that took a turn. That was crazy. Sorry about that. Oh, no, man, shit. That's what, <laughs> that's what we're here for. To yeah. Talk about any... <laughs> Everything that makes our life a little easier to yeah. share with one another. Whoever uh, happens to be listening, which looks like maybe three or, three or so folks are. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. I think we're through with the medical portion, <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have three watching. Uh, I'm going to be at least one of those because I'm Oh yeah. looking at the chat. So I have the chat. Double D. <laughs> Sex Double is the D best the antidepressant. House. You're right. Yeah. But seriously though, anybody, any dude out there, don't be afraid to talk about that kind of shit. If it's like that's a serious thing. If it's and if you can't perform with that one thing, that might be helping contribute to the problem. So don't be afraid to talk about that. Sometimes your dick doesn't work. And if it's supposed to work and you think there might be something keeping that from happening, talk to somebody about it. Yeah, shit. With all the problems I've been having <laughs> with the kidney stones, I mean they're <laughs> it has not all been smooth sailing. Let me yeah, just say that. <laughs> exactly. In any way, in yeah. any front, <laughs> including that one. So that's that's your little dick PSA today. Just, yeah. Don't be afraid to talk <laughs> about your dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got dick problems. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I got dick problems. Hey, bro, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we move from the knuckle portion to the dick portion. Yeah. All right. Take care of your dick. That's right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Are you uh, Are you drinking anything that you I can was just going to ask you? Do you Are you drinking something? Just um, I'm not not anything exciting. Oh, okay. well, actually, you know I like the sparkling waters. Yeah. I've gotten down to just the like just non flavored. Really? <laughs> I get absurdly excited about. it. I kind of love it. Oh, seltzer water is so gross. I'm it's, so it's, like. Yeah, maybe it's just seltzer water, <laughs> but <laughs> it's so fucking refreshing. <laughs> oh, hey, man, you do you. This is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What do you got? I got. Um, so Ash was on a retreat last weekend and my nephew came over. I, I wanted to work in the wood shop. It's, if we talk about goals tonight. Oh, yeah. That yeah, might be, be something. I, I mean, I don't have much to contribute into that conversation, but one of my, I wanted to get in the wood shop to start working on the CNC table so that I can get that together. And uh, these two weekends looked really good. And so I, but Ash is traveling. She was in the retreat last weekend. She's traveling to New York to visit her mom and sisters are all doing this mom daughter thing in New York city this weekend. So she's going to be gone two weekends in a row and they were like, totally open on our calendar otherwise. So I asked my nephew, I'm like, dude, will you come over and you can play PlayStation on my couch? Just hang out at my house 
in case I cut my hand off, I would like somebody else to be in the house while I'm oh like, you know what I mean? God. Like, well, yeah, but that's, I've just never heard I, that. Sentence. Now, listen, I think that's pretty <laughs> responsible. If you ask me, like, I like, what are you doing though? That you could, that that's like the, okay, I just need the, this, I should have this covered. Yeah. <laughs> Like work, like you're working with table saws and power tools. Uh, like what if I like, you know, drill through my true. hand or, you know, just something that I would, I would just like another adult person to be within earshot. If I, I mean, any of those things could happen, you know, and that's true. Okay. I, I understand it a little better. I just see yeah. like such a strong probability or something. It's like, well, <laughs> I just need someone around because this might happen. But I, I get it. I think now it's more of a yeah. precaution than a foregone conclusion. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Total precaution. Not like I, I mean, th it is my, that's how I, every time I turn on my table saw, I count my fingers and say, this is the last time you have 10 fingers. So that oh way God. I'm conscious of it when I use the table saw. Like oh, I, lit I, see. I, I see. literally yeah. will, will count like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And say this is the last time you have all ten. So enjoy it. And then it makes me think about it <laughs> so that I don't cut my any of them off when I'm on, when hey, I'm on the if table. If that works, that's yeah, that's worth doing. Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's such a scary thing to think about for me. But Yeah. So there's that. Uh, so that's why I asked my nephew over here. Um, and that brings me back to the beer. See, I remembered my long walk. So this stuff is called zombie dust hmm. and it looked really cool because it's called zombie dust and it's got a zombie king on the front of it. Do you see that guy? Like, let me talk, 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 talk. Yeah, and, that's very cool. And it's like, uh, and it's gold inlay. It, I mean, it's really awesome. And it's by Three Floyds Brewing Company. Really cool lid, like psychedelic lid. Talk, 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 talk. You see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> I could just click on myself, and then that wouldn't happen. Uh, sounds uh, fun though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I got I so I picked up a six pack of Voodoo Ranger, which I really like. That's New Belgium, the guys that do. Um, uh fat tire it's their ipa <clears throat> their imperial ipa yeah, is actually the one i like yeah and then um a six pack of this and she brings this up and a six pack was 17 dollars for the six pack and i'm like oh holy geez that's a pricey one and of course it was like a girl who was rigging me out and like all this stuff so it's like i'm just like at a but then I just tell myself it's bar prices. You're just paying bar prices at home. Who cares? But it is a delicious IPA. Ooh. But that's why I got it because I was going to drink it with my nephew. And then I ended up just playing video games and drinking with him all weekend. It was awesome. I didn't even go in the wood shop this weekend. <laughs> that's all right. That sounds great. Yeah. This weekend, though, I will spend some time in the wood shop. But we had a, I told him like afterwards, I was like, dude, I had an absolute blast hanging out with you. We played, uh, Resident Evil 7, uh, he brought his PlayStation over with that, which is like a really scary video game. But he used my virtual reality helmet on the game. So, like, I just watched him play. So it was like watching a scary movie. It was it was oh. fantastic. But then he was, like, really getting scared by it, and I was getting scared. Like, there was a couple times that we both, like, almost pissed ourselves. It was awesome. So... <laughs> Uh, all right, let's open these up though, and let's okay. get let's get rolling here. 
on three and three. Awesome. I want to point out too. Double D brings up an excellent point. Back, uh, yeah. Not the chat. We'll just like dip our toe in the the dark spot that we just worked our way out of. But yeah, don't be afraid to talk about any mental issues. That's so very true. If you're just having issues, trouble. Don't be afraid to talk to somebody. Yeah, Start and shame help. Shame is the worst. Like shame is like yeah, yeah. That doesn't help anything. Nope. So start a podcast. That's a great way to talk. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> absolutely. Um, <laughs> it's done wonders for us. <laughs> just Google it. Learn learning from the internet. Um, um so mm. so yes, cheers to delicious. everyone. I forgot to do that before I took my sip, but yeah. So th- yeah, so that's on I a lot of what I've been up to really is just been trying to survive all this um kidney stone drama but um awesome oh. uh what about you um what have you been up to um i know you had a pinball adventure but uh i yeah, actually went general. out on my very first solo in a customer house pinball Ooh. repair um which was really awesome uh and it, so we got there the first time we went to the guy's house he had a arcade cabinet that has like a bunch of games inside the one cabinet instead of it just being one arcade game and it looks really awesome like an arcade but when you open it up it just has a regular computer on the inside of it like a desktop computer that's all all the arcade stuff is plugged into this one computer um and so the power supply went out on that so it had to go into the shop and yoda had to that's have I called him that yet on the show? Yeah, I think okay. so. Okay. Uh, so he had to like work on that. And we we just have like a backlog of repairs. And so he's trying to just clear those out because he's he has some health issues right now. And so um, I told him, I was like, listen, it's just hooking that computer back up. Uh, I can do that. Just call the guy and schedule it and I'll just go out and do it. So... That I did that. Uh, it did have some adjustments that needed done and was able to adjust those. And then the guy also had an Austin Powers pinball machine. And he... So pinball machines to remember the high score and to remember the settings that you set, like how many balls per game that you get to play and uh, all that kind of stuff. You can actually set the percentage of how many times it's going to give you a free game and all that stuff. Because uh, you can try to maximize if it's in in a place making money, you can try to maximize how much money it makes. Usually, what people do is they set it to the hardest setting, so it's just a drain monster. So you just it just like rakes in money. Um, so to remember all that stuff when you turn it off, they usually were fitted with just a battery pack, like a three AA battery pack, and normal double A's just plugged into that, hmm. and. Uh, it, again, if it's in an arcade or somewhere that there's a pinball machine, there's usually going to be a maintenance person who will regularly change those batteries out. Well, when the pinball industry kind of fell through and a lot of these pins went into like home use, a lot of people weren't pinball techs. So they didn't know stuff like that. Uh, this guy had no idea that there was batteries in the back box of his computer uh, or of his pin. And when we, we took the back glass off of it, there the batteries were so corroded. They were like f- 
furry. They looked white and furry, um, which is okay if it's just on the batteries. But usually what happens is those battery packs were soldered right on top of the essentially the brain of the pinball machine, the circuit board that is the brain. And so that acid, um, if nobody ch- like opens the back box, that acid will just eat through the circuit board. And normally you don't even know it until it eats through a, something that is important and then the game stops functioning. And usually by that point in time, the board is ir- like you can't fix it. And now the, like those boards might not exist anymore. And then the game is dead. Like just because of triple A or double A batteries, right? And so, um, the these were so corroded, they were terrible. And so, there's a thing that you can make where it's basically just you solder wires onto the board, and that battery pack is removed from the circuit board, and you usually mount it somewhere in the back box so that if the batteries do leak, they don't leak onto the circuit board and it doesn't damage the board. So it's just a precaution upgrade basically so i installed that i like clipped the old one off and you have to like rub the board there was no damage to the board which was awesome and so i neutralized any acid if the or any alkaline if it was there because it's alkaline batteries with white vinegar and then soldered the thing and mounted the thing in the back box and it was all fine and the guy said there was one more problem with the table and i was able to like it was so cool because I, I I was looking at the machine and I just pulled the play field up and I lifted it up and he's like, oh my goodness. And I'm like, you've never looked in the bottom of, of your, this machine that you have in your house? And he's like, no. And <laughs> I could not imagine owning something like that and not wa- even wanting to know how it works, let alone going in and figuring it out. But even to just like look up a YouTube video to see what a pinball machine looked like in it, you know? When you have one sitting in your house, I couldn't imagine that. But that, again, he had never done that, never lifted it up, never done anything like that. And uh, so I got to show him some cool stuff, like how the pinball machine works. And I was able to figure out what was wrong with the thing that wasn't working. It was a fuse. It was, But I did not have the fuse with me to fix it. So I was kind of bummed about that. Uh, but I told him we would send him a couple of fuses. Uh, so... But I did that all by myself, like, and yeah, like calculated the bill awesome. and like got paid and uh, kind of blew the guy away a little bit. So yeah, it was it, it <laughs> so was awesome. Cool. It was it was great. So it was an it was a really nice experience. Um, I'm going out on another job tomorrow. Uh, I actually, this is like, this is so this is the life of a pinball collector. Uh. I had a game that is, I would call, you ever seen Gone in 60 Seconds? I would call this game. I my, never actually saw it, but I, okay. I definitely know what it like is. Like my yeah. unicorn. It's my like, he, he calls the Mustang that he wants to steal in there. It's the car that he's always wanted and he always got busted trying to steal it, it which is Eleanor. His, and he called it his unicorn, <laughs> like a mythical creature that you can't catch. So I have a table that was my unicorn, which is called Scared Stiff with Elvira in it. And uh, <laughs> one came up for trade and the guy wanted a Ghostbusters machine for it. And it's worth way more than a Ghostbusters machine. 
and uh, I traded him for it. Like I caught Whoa. my I caught my unicorn. So, oh my god, uh, which was awesome. So the reason he was willing to trade down um, was there was a couple things that needed fixed with it, and I had him working like within that night. Uh, one I'm waiting on parts on. There was a legitimate thing that needed fixed, but it's going to be simple and. I got cash even like he gave me the machine. I have been, I thought I would never own plus money so I can use that money to get the parts that I need. So, Oh my God. And, and, and you were excited. I remember to get the ghostbusters yeah. machine, which yeah. you thought was like, this is one of the first I can imagine keeping. Yeah. And, and I told Ash when I got one? it, when, yeah. When I, I told Ash when I got ghostbusters, I said, oh my God. the only thing I would ever trade this for is a scared stiff. And then sure enough, there was one. So, and but wow. Yoda like came with me to look at it. He's like, you know, I don't want you to get ripped off. And so oh, that's good. He came and like went over it with me. And when we were driving back, he's like, you did really good with that. You really know what you're talking about. And I'm like, I try. So <laughs> that was. <laughs> and he said, no, or do not. Yeah, there, there is, is no, no try. try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nicely wrapped up there. Very well done. Uh, so that's so cool. Uh, when I built. My uh, virtual pinball machine, the thing that really got me into the ha- the hobby as an adult, uh, Scared Stiff was like the table because my nephew was living with us at that time. And that machine, that virtual table, I had like 75 pinball machines on one machine that you could play. It was like a television laid down on its back, like on its back. And yeah. it looked like a play field and it had flippers and a plunger and everything and Um, but we played scared stiff over and over and over again. And I always told Ash, I was like, if I ever have the opportunity to get one of these, like one of these as an actual pinball machine, I'm going to take it. And it was just a weird fluke. I happened to get on and just to see what was up and available and as like something to do not really intending to trade or do anything. And then <laughs> there was a scared stiff for trade. So actually, and actually looking for the ghostbusters or is that yeah, one he of the had, few he had a list of ones that he would be willing to trade with. Wow. And so I text him or I emailed him and said, you know, I have a ghostbusters premium that I would, you know, trade for your scared stiff. And we got to this guy's house. Like the guy had like, 25 games listed in his collection and uh he's like well i have it over at my dad's house because it's in you know i I don't really have room in my collection right now for another one we got to his dad's house he had like four or five in the box still just sitting in like i couldn't imagine just having machines just again just sitting in the box just because you don't have the space for them at the time you know but you wanted to get them i don't know i guess if you got the money you, you like collectors will collect anything right so <laughs> yeah. uh you know I, I, maybe pinball machines to him are like our used vhs tapes and, and <laughs> uh like physical media releases of rare films yeah. or re-releases of old films i guess there's a lot of those these days yeah absolutely so you got it up and running like and you're playing it and everything oh yeah yeah Hell yeah. And uh, I mean, it is a it is a project like compared to like Ghostbusters didn't need any work done to it. This this 
it needs restored. The play field mm-hmm. is really in great condition. The hardware is all pretty much there. Um, the money that he gave me with it, I've been able to get just about everything that I've found wrong with it that needs done part wise. So, and I have total confidence in doing all the parts, like put, replacing all the parts that need done. And they're not parts that prevent it from being played. They're just, a lot of them are just cosmetic stuff, you know? Hmm. So, yeah. And, uh, and then it's Elvira on top of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. man, it's just awesome. So, <laughs> yeah, that's so very cool. It's full of innuendos <laughs> and all that stuff. Like, yeah. like the one ramp. Did she talk to you? Oh, yeah. Did she talk to you? Oh, yeah. Big time. Like, so there's like one, she's like, one of my favorite things to say that she says is one of the ramps is, the skeleton of this snake or something because there's ribs all that all go down the snake. I'll see if I can find a picture of it because it'll be easier to see it. Um, and, and those ribs like follow this, the curves of this ramp and, uh, that in the game. So the game has like six little mini objectives that you have to do. And that ramp, you have to, you have to shoot the ball into that ramp three times. Um, complete that mini objective but that ramp then is is called the bony beast <laughs> and uh tab here we'll share that okay oh yeah so um and then let me click on me so it stays on me so um if you see this ramp um can you see my mouse yeah yeah going across that snake so this thing. ramp you see this like how the ribs come down here that's called the bony beast so when you shoot the ball up into here it'll just follow this curve around like this yeah yeah and so when you uh when you shoot it she'll be like ride the bony beast and she's like <laughs> and then you write you know, shoot it again and she's like man this thing is huge <laughs> and then if you shoot it right after she says man this thing is because it's really easy it deposits the the ball right here, right back where this flipper is. And then this flipper will shoot it right back into that ramp. So it's really easy to just keep shooting it over and over again. (laughs) And once you get the rhythm, right. And so if you shoot it and she's like, man, this thing is huge. And then you get it again, right after she says that she'll be like, and ribbed. Uh, (laughs) um, This guy right here is he's the stiff in the coffin. And so he kind of like co-hosts the game with you. Oh. And so he'll talk sometimes too. So if you do something really awesome, he'll like he'll be like, "Oh, that just made me stiff," you know. And <laughs> um, the uh, there's these guys up here called the Deadheads, and it's they're all really bad puns. Like there are there's like Meathead, and it's a cow, and there's Pumpkinhead, and the guy's head looks like a pumpkin, and there's one where uh, it's called good head. And so anytime it says good. He- so in all of the deadheads, when they say their pun, Elvira has a retort to the pun. <laughs> and so when they say good head, she has two different retorts. They'll say good head. And she'll be like, my favorite. And, <laughs> <laughs> or they'll say good head. And she'll go, yes. Like, <laughs> Oh my. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, and is she on the uh so that's the play field right what's the yeah, thing that's the kind of back glass. more back glass is elvira like yeah, a picture of lovely. hers on that 
Um, so she's all over the play field first off. Um, if I look, let me see here. Oh. Yeah, I see like those look like kind of like cartoons, but maybe that's just from my view. Is that a more photo? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for more photo realistic. <laughs> more photo realistic. <laughs> yeah. So like there are these pinup drawings of her on there. Um, and then let me look at <laughs> That's so. That's a, we're like borderline. Like, uh, that, borderline that. here. Yeah. No. Click the second one for the right. Yeah. That's good. That's good. <laughs> the dirt bag. Uh. Um. So. Oh yeah. Oh, let me. That's a bad one. There we go. So that's on the back glass. Wow, that's that's that'll do. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of a more of a uh yeah, it's not like a photograph of I can't I don't know Elvira's real name, but uh it, lo- it looks Peters. more like a Sandra Peters. Peterson, yeah. Cassandra with a C. Oh, Cassandra, yeah. Sorry. Um but yeah. Ooh. So the this spider actually spins. There's a point in the game that if you get it down on the play field, it will spin around. It's a wheel of fortune. And, it, you know, these are all different prizes that you can land on. The one thing, the other thing that I really love about this is the whole theme of it is like a midnight matinee show. So when you when you first start the game, if like you're taking forever to plunge the ball, she, like she will show <laughs> egg you on. She'll be like, Hello, I'm trying to start the show. Like, oh. like, come on, let's get it going, right? And so, um, basically, these. What's a good one? So each one of these things are those little mini goals that you have to get. There's one. There's six of them, right? So there's the deadheads, uh, the thing from the crate, which is this thing in the middle, the monsters lab, the bony beast, the stiff in the coffin, night of the leapers. If you complete all of those objectives, all six of those, this like thing flashes in the middle and this thing starts, which is called the stiffometer. And, <laughs> and each there's 10 levels to the stiffometer where you basically have to shoot the crate and then a ramp, either one of the ramps, and you alternate between that crate, ramp, crate, ramp, crate, ramp. And every time you get one of those within a certain time period, you'll go to the next level of the stiffometer. And your goal is to get to 10 because then you get scared stiff. And uh. and then once you get scared stiff, it starts monster multiball, which is like all the balls in play at the same time. And you get tons <laughs> of points. And but it's all it's all centered around this like midnight matinee type theme where, you know, it's all a show. Um, yeah. And if you look at the the back glass, there's like with your host Elvira, Mistress of the Dark. You know, so it's this. It, it maintains this this midnight matinee theme. This guy right here is the stiff in the coffin. Uh, oh, yeah, he looks creepy. Yeah, looks a little Mister Hyde esque. Yeah, yeah, me. definitely. So, um, Ash and I are. Well, we'll see if we actually can follow through, but we're thinking that. Our Halloween costumes this year might be Elvira and Son of Ghoul. As oh, that's so cool! Yeah, yeah, that is great. Yeah, oh, you'd be a great Son of Ghoul. I yeah. can already. I don't know what it is exactly. But maybe the. I don't know. Some somehow I can just see it. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
that's our that's our plan right now. I mean, right that's now. Awesome. But that's perfect. Be fantastic. So yeah, uh, such a fun and it's just a fun table. It's fun for people that really don't play a lot of pinball because it's really approachable and. It's fun for people that do play a lot of pinball because it's such a fun theme and it really does have like really rewarding challenges. Um, so, yeah, gosh, is it a fun machine? It's just fun. So, it's your unicorn. That's, that's my so unicorn. Great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what I've been up to. I think the last two weeks since we've been since we last talked. Um. Last episode was Ghostbusters and Stand by Me, right? Is that what was that? Or was oh, that no, no. Uh, oh no! Last episode really was uh, a, Umbrella Academy. About, yeah, yeah, Umbrella Academy. And you were kind of just coming off being sick, and yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yes. But you lit up right at the end, and I remembered something, and we hadn't quite done in a long time, which is just sort of you got to talking about things you were, had seen online, I guess, which is. Yeah, my favorite way to digest that information is to get it from you. <laughs> and so, and then you were just sort of lit up about it. I was just like, oh man, how can we bottle this? But yeah, so we we didn't have a particular focus other than maybe Umbrella Academy. Yeah, well, time, and your but... your um, Broadway ex- adventure. Oh yeah, 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 and I took took yeah, but uh, yeah, and I I had brought up uh, maybe doing a check in for our goals. I don't necessarily um, have great progress there, but I thought we be good to do that before yeah i think i think we got away from us <laughs> one way to encourage progress is to talk about them more right like um i think yeah i can definitely say i have no problem saying this that one of the reasons i never started up smoking again when i quit was because i knew that if i had a cigarette i would have to s- say that on the next time we recorded long walk short drink Oh yeah, you know that's I mean? kind of the idea. I'm, I'm glad that helped. Yeah. So, um, I have no problems admitting that. So I think that the more that if we have kind of an intentional goal check in, I know at least for me there will be weeks that I will say I have to do something because I need to be able to say that I like this is what I did towards the goals. Uh, this yeah since yeah. the last time we talked. So, um, no, I think that's totally uh a, a a good idea um i don't i i've been trying to desperately get into the wood shop uh and just seem to not be able to find uh i shouldn't even say that i can't find the time there's plenty of time it's just when that time is there that's not what i want to do with it yeah maybe just the motivation I yeah guess. that specific motivation yeah um there, there's always something other funner not i don't want to say funner there's just something well, yeah, that, like more appealing nephew yeah that, yeah like that's not very worthwhile spend like and i did we didn't we ate like shit and played video games all ate like shit drank and played video games all fucking weekend that's all we did and it was awesome uh it was such a good time we talked about all kinds of shit and just uh man was it good and so and there was no goal progress <laughs> that week. Like, there's no way there was goal progress. Actually, though, I mean, I don't know if you want to bring yours up or whatever, but I remember one of them was like spending time. Oh yeah, relationships. With in person. Like, yeah, so like I, I would argue that that was very I, much. You so. know what? I think that's totally. You're totally right, and I will concede that argument. That is that is totally <laughs> <the> true. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
the a big I had a I did have a big one though. I have lost uh since my biggest weight measure I have lost 35 pounds in two pant sizes. Oh, uh, that's excellent. Holy so cow. I'm at like into the gene. Uh, I had the, like my death jeans is what I've been wearing. Like these were the, like I said, like this is the biggest. If you get any bigger than this, you're going to die. So that was those jeans. And uh, I just folded them up and put them in my closet. I'm back into the jeans that I was in before I had to buy those jeans. So they're two sizes smaller. And uh, I don't feel like a frumpy old man as much as I did. Like I don't have to wear suspenders with them and everything, which is awesome. So That is awesome. Congratulations. That must feel good. Yeah. Pant size, that's got to feel significant. I know for me, like that's a huge measure. So, um, yeah, 30, that was, that was a big one. And the weight thing is definitely that the, the time restricted eating and intermittent fasting is working. Like, cause I, when I eat, I, it's, I don't work very hard to eat very well. I, that is something I need to work on. I really have been focusing on trying to stick to, if you do eat, eat one meal a day. If you can though, don't eat that day. That's, that's really been like my my goal every day is mm-hmm. if you have to eat, just eat once, but if, but try not to. And some days I can make it. Some days I can make it a, a couple days on a really good stretch. I might make it three, but then the days that I do eat though, I do just eat once, but I tell myself like, okay, eat reasonable and you'll be all right. And it still is progressing down, um, which is good. So that's excellent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, that's about, yeah. Those have that's, been ma- pretty good. Major, <laughs> major stretches of, in goal progress. Th- those would be my biggest accomplishments, I think, on goal progress. How about you? Um, I'm d- I'll just look at mine. Uh, as a, yeah, with so. As I look at the health, meet my Fitbit goal six to seven days a week, I've actually done pretty well with that. Uh, I would say that's probably on target. Do karate in the garage, 15 minutes, uh, interval training one to two days a week. That's I've fallen back on that with the as the kidney stones got bad because I would... Yeah. Yeah, I can't quite do that. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, yeah. Anyway, but and then the next one is average 15 pull-ups at a time, which actually before I had the surgery a couple of days ago, I was surprisingly, if I, if I did it like midday or something, I would get there sometimes, which I was awesome. pleasantly surprised by. Uh, definitely have not increased my flexibility such that I could do a helicopter kick, uh, walking with the, with the bride and the dogs one to three times a week has been pretty good as well. And w- walking a lot at work also all doing well. Uh, continue to drink less one to two days a week, rarely if ever alone, doing pretty good at that though. I did, I was nervous before the, uh, the, the surgery and I had to, usually the, my drinking day is Sunday. The bride and I'll do like wine and cheese and watch, uh, walking dead and couldn't do that. So, uh, I decided I would have my version of that on Friday and she wasn't around and I, yeah, overdid it and <laughs> and uh, kind of lost the next day, which is not at all what I want to be doing. And, and a reminder that I hadn't done that in quite a while, but also a reminder to it's not really worthwhile for me to do. Certainly, 
every once in a while it's okay but yeah <laughs> yeah uh so that yeah i still feel it's weird i still feel like guilty about that but whatever um that's not really helpful <laughs> to think in that those terms no uh i uh i'm not i'm, I'm sorry to interrupt on, on oh, your no, progress but just to, to speak to that uh, i I know I shouldn't, and I know that it is. It sounds counterintuitive to a guy that is trying to not weigh five hundred pounds, but I love pizza, and it's really oh, hard, so like not. <laughs> so there's a shitty pizza, a shitty pizza place that's really close to our house that on Tuesday sells four ninety nine one topping pizzas, and. Tuesdays happen to be the day that Ash volunteers at the hospital. Oh, yeah, and so yeah. I have, that's like my meet. That's my one night that I have the, you know, evening to me and I can do kind of whatever I want. And I've just said like, don't eat anything all day Tuesday. And your one meal is you get that, that pizza and that's your pizza. Just like, just that's your pizza itch. Just scratch it off for that one time. And, I feel like shit on Wednesdays usually after I do that. And I tell myself, see, this is why you can't eat pizza every day because it <laughs> makes you feel like shit. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> uh, it's so weird just like how I, I, yeah, I definitely think I have a food, some food aversion because since I have started intermittent fasting, when I eat like shit, my whole face just congests and oh, I oh. F- feel awful so <laughs> that sucks <laughs> yeah uh, yeah because yeah, i mean you gotta eat so <laughs> and the sucky thing is is like i continue to make the i i will I, now i have verifiable proof like i can't deny that i'm feeling that way as a result of consuming those things and i still choose to consume those things which tells me that i need to step back I need to go even one further, you know, and that, and it all comes back to that mental thing of like, because you say to yourself, like, how does a addict put a needle in their arm and how does it, and how does, you know, somebody smoke through their stoma in their neck and how does like, how does somebody who's so big, they can't get out of bed, continue, continue to eat like triple cheeseburgers and, I can tell myself there's like, you know, that you're eating this and that's why you're shitting through your a screen and why you can't breathe through your nose and why you're so inflamed and swollen. You can't see any of the like definition in your hands, knees or feet. And I still choose to eat that food. And that's like, that's a mental thing. There's a mental thing there that needs worked on, you know? Yeah. Sounds like you're making some progress though. Yeah. Oh, sure. Well, I mean, but yes, you gotta identify it. Switch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Click on and have it be fixed. So uh, what can you do? Yeah. Just keep at it and celebrate the little, little victories. Yeah. Or I mean, like I heard one, one person talk about this and, um, it was that whoever wrote that book about trying to create this day, this this day you'd like to live over and over again. But he was all about um, celebrating um, the smallest. He's like, if you eat like 
almost a whole pizza, but not one piece. Like that piece is a victory that you didn't eat. And I was like, Oh, that's an interesting way to think about it, especially from somebody coming at it from such a kind of extreme angle as this, as this person was. Right. But, uh, (laughs) look, we got, uh, we got Moto chiming in 85 subscribers. Five. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Murphy, your titties. (laughs) (laughs) Charlie Murphy. (laughs) Charlie Murphy. But uh, yeah, so I, that's why, and I um, I always think of that. It's actually, for, I, I don't know, I'm sure it comes from other places, but I think of it from Elizabethtown, the Cameron Crowe movie that only I like. Um, so that's the one with where, the guy that makes shoes? Like the, uh, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he makes shoes, yeah. Uh, but his, his, mom, his dad, you know, died and his mom is trying to figure out like how to, you know, fill, fill her days and fill her life in his absence. And she said this thing at one point in time, she played by Susan Sarandon, and she goes, all forward motion counts. And that like got stuck in my head in the in a in a yeah. way that I find helpful. So, absolutely, so, yeah. You just gotta keep on keep on trying to trying to do a little better. And if you if you feel lapse, you're just like, well, <laughs> yep. <laughs> either beat myself up about this forever or get up and keep trying. So I I kind of cut you. I, I just wanted to give the thing about because you were beating yourself up because you took advantage of that time to yourself and oh yes uh, yeah. that indulgence and i i um i don't i just wanted to chime in and say part of it is just recognizing you have this thing and trying to control it and every now and then if you have a wine and cheese night it's better than having a wine and cheese night five days a week by yourself, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, no, no, I appreciate it. I'm glad you said something. I mean, I, it, part of what did remind me of like, Oh, I used to do this kind of a lot. <laughs> and I haven't, yeah. and it's like, I'm not even sure when the last time I, I, you know, drank so much that I didn't feel good the next day. And, um, yeah, but, um, anybody, so yeah, it was kind of like, I felt a little bad about it, but at the same time, there was this odd thing of like, oh, you, <laughs> you had made such progress that this seemed like such a different thing. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah, but yeah, so largely doing well and all that. I'm keeping up on the orange a day <laughs> to prevent further kidney stones. Excuse me, I have not done the one of those red brick journeys related to nutrition that I could do at my job. Which, funnily enough, the thing you said before about. Uh, uh, knowing we might go over goals would be like a motivator just to do something was I'm sure I've talked about it in the show where I had like a monthly health coach call that was usually my impetus to take even the smallest step just to tell her something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I messed that up like to where, I don't know, it's a weird thing where you don't have a direct line. And so I haven't been getting those calls. So this is my version of that. <laughs> oh yeah. And yours too now, I guess. Yeah, no, um, Absolutely. I've been getting more rest, definitely, <laughs> because of the the kidney stones and the going to bed early, like with Tylenol PM. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's good. Uh, I've been not. I've been. Uh, I don't know. Meant the, so I've tried to devote ten minutes a day of the guided meditations, and I was doing one for uh, pain pain management. It was like a thirty day pack. They call them. Um, I'm only like 12, 13 sessions into that, but I'm definitely more than like, I haven't been doing it every day and at all. Uh, but I, I did find actually that even though I haven't like completed that or maybe been keeping up on that daily practice or something that as I've been struggling with the, the pain, like the, some of the 
techniques or whatever that came up in those sessions have helped. So, so that was kind of good comforting. That's awesome. And a reminder perhaps to get back to that and trying to add the inspirational quotes and stuff to the, my Google doc. I haven't done as great. Still, still usually just capturing them on my phone or something like screen grabbing as I see them, but good to be reminded. Um, uh, Harmony, um, no, yeah, doing pretty okay there. I actually, like I had my last, um, well, I guess it's going to be my last for a while. I had, had worked back to like monthly therapy uh, sessions because I went to therapy last spring to just, I needed some, I felt like I needed some tools that I didn't have. Yeah. And um, I'm at the place now where um, I feel like I have all the, I'm not getting like new tools from that. And I, I kind of know like what I need to do. It's just a matter of making sure to kind of, put things into practice so i told her it's like oh i'm not going to schedule an appointment for next month because i this has been like two months or whatever to where even though i've you know you have challenges i um i i guess i can handle it <laughs> you know or yeah it sounds weird to say in terms of like how my day-to-day goes but nonetheless i uh yeah i'm not feeling the need to, to go there on a regular basis which is some good uh progress in that regard um and then that last one, happiness, yeah, uh, that's got that execute in full and complete way, personal creative projects on an ongoing basis that I haven't, um, that's been, that's been lacking because of my not feeling good. I haven't been working on stuff like I want and that makes me feel antsy, but I, you know, that's all kind of progressing to where that should be different very soon. Uh, and then lastly to devote, I mean, try new things is the very last thing, which I don't know if I'm doing, but <laughs> doing things I enjoy, I'm trying to do, Awesome. <laughs> uh, which is, um, yeah, maybe just like, you know, spend time watching stuff, uh, or work on whatever I feel like. Um, I did, uh, I, and I talked to you last and, uh, I don't know. Do you have King Corner stuff? I could save this for King Corner. Um, I, 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 I was going to just talk about that EW or was that the EW, um, interview that he did that we both kind of, Oh yeah. Space yeah, on. yeah. I, um, I was going to probably just bring that interview to the table, uh, just cause we're coming up on, uh, pet cemetery. Yeah. We week, so, um, so I could, and, um, certainly in the, if you have more goal stuff, we can uh, uh, it back, but otherwise maybe we'll go no. to the King corner. Um, no, we can go to, I, I don't have any more goal stuff. I have a t-shirt, uh, an uplifting t-shirt story that I'd like to work oh. in at some point. Uh, let's, we'll come back to the King corner. I, I, I could go for an uplifting t-shirt uh, well, story. <laughs> I, I mean, it just really made me, when it happened, I'm like, okay, I, you got to remember to talk about this on the show. Cause we've talked about my t-shirt collection already yeah. and just, um, I it really great t-shirt story. So when my nephew was here, we went to um, Tanks, which is this awesome bar that is has even better food. It's an amazing restaurant uh, in our neighborhood. It's where Ash and I had our first date, actually. And oh, yeah. uh, um, so we went there for they have phenomenal breakfast that's served all day long. And so my nephew and I went there for breakfast and. This guy comes in, so it's the it's been March Madness, right? And uh, this guy comes in, and he 
comes straight in and he sits at the very end of the bar. And I told, and I even like tell my nephew, I'm like, Holy crap. That guy's wearing a Dexter's lab t-shirt, the old cartoon network show, which I loved. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the waitresses too, like a sidebar, she was wearing a Chucky pickles t-shirt from Rugrats. And because my (laughs) nephew grew up in that era of Nickelodeon cartoons. And so he loves all of those. Like, you know, we love Batman, the dark Knight, and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, uh, but this guy comes in with the Dexter's lab t-shirt and I'm like, Hey, that guy's got a Dexter's lab t-shirt. That's awesome. And we're just talking and enjoying our breakfast. And I, I didn't even notice it was jam packed. I didn't even notice, but there's all of a sudden I hear like, Hey, I noticed that you have Pulp Fiction. Cause that's why I wear the Pulp Fiction shirt. Cause I wanted to remember yeah. to tell the story. He's like, Hey, I saw that you have Pulp Fiction on your t-shirt. My name's Chris and I like t-shirts. And and like, that's what he says. And I like, I look up and it's the guy with the Dexter's lab t-shirt on. And I'm like, I'm like, hi, Chris. I like t-shirts too. And I saw you have a Dexter's lab t-shirt. I really like your shirt. And he's like, yeah, t-shirts. And he puts his hand out for a high five. And we like high five. And like, he he could not make eye contact. You could tell he was uh, really pushing his comfort zone to have this interaction, you know? And like, but we just bonded over t-shirts and like, he was just like, I, I was like, I, my wife always makes fun of me because everybody compliments my t-shirts. He's like me too. And he was just so oh, pumped man. and obviously on the spectrum somewhere, but like, it was so awesome with the high, he's like, yeah, t-shirts and like high fives. And Oh, it was so good. I, I mean, there was like no way you could not have like, just melted seeing this kid get so excited about finding somebody else who loved t-shirts like he liked t-shirts you know yeah oh that's great it was (laughs) fantastic how how oldish was Uh, was the kid i would say probably like um mid 20s mid to late 20s probably so old Uh, enough to see pulp fiction yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely uh, he was he was eating at the bar, so I hope he was twenty one. Oh right, so, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, not at one of the tables. He was literally at the bar. Uh, oh, nice, nice. Yeah. So this That's this place awesome. has all kinds of table. I mean, people bring their kids there to eat. It's it is really more of a restaurant than it is a bar. But they have coolers that are all full of kind all kinds of micro brews and everything, and then an actual full functional bar. And it's a it's a sports they really watch there's a lot of sports that gets watched there they have a bus during ud's home games home basketball games you can go there and pregame and they will drive you to the game for free like if you have if you're a ticket wow they'll drive you to the game and pick you back up and bring you back to tanks holy Uh, cow yeah so (laughs) uh, it is pretty awesome so um yeah, it just a, it's a great place. But that was my uh, my t shirt story. I I had to share that. It was just so. Oh, I'm so glad you did. That's pure yeah. like joy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like I w- I told Ash that story, and I am just bawling. Like it was just so. It was awesome. She that was crying. I was crying. It was great. Oh, yeah. That's terrific. Can I'm, you see a little more of your t shirt there? Can you can you yeah. uh, tilt down a little? I was noticing as I oh that's perfect yeah when I get the screen grabs of the it's, show if there's it's just the it's the um, poster 
like the yeah. Pulp Fiction poster. So, um, yeah, I convinced Ash too. This last week was sp- did spring break start around you at all? Like the uh, it's kind of come in and gone yeah. for both the bride and me and different weeks and stuff. So all past. all the school and you know like I'm sure it's like that here or, or like where you are too. Like none of the schools coordinate on when spring break is, so they just like no. all, it's it's like a spring break season, you know, yep. or like <laughs> yeah. And uh, that started last week. And Wednesday is the discount day for the theater that we like to go to. And I convinced Ash to go see us. Really? Uh, yeah. And she Holy said, I'm gonna, she's like, I'm going to do it. I have to do it. And it was spring break week. And we got there and every show was sold out except for the front row, like all the way until oh. like, they were showing it like every half hour too. And like, because it was spring break week, like these kids, like there were kids in from out of town who were going to college out of town, plus high school kids all on spring break. Like every show, except for the very, maybe just a few sprinkling of seats in the front two rows of every show all the way until the last one were sold out. Like I was so pissed. So, uh, well, I mean, we're going to get to go. We'll probably go this coming Wednesday after she gets back from New York. Uh, but I, I, I'm really excited to see it and see what she thinks. Have you seen it yet? No, but uh, the bride wants to go this weekend, I think. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, and so, I think she was, you would, I mean, Ash would make sense, would not want to go to that. But the bride, I was a little surprised that she was so just like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, she's, she's the first to bring it up pretty recently and to say yeah. like, what do you say? We go, uh, we're like, she was like in the daytime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's like, yes, that, I would prefer that as well. <laughs> I, I saw a great so. meme where it was like, it's Jordan Peele saying like, seriously, there's no hidden meaning to us. It's just a, it's just a straightforward horror movie. Like, and then the internet responding like, you obviously don't know what you're talking about with your own movies. Like, <laughs> because I guess he, there's kind of been going around, like they've really been looking to put a lot of like the undertones that were with get out on there. And, uh, he keeps saying like, no, it's just like, I just wanted to make a horror movie. Like just let it be a horror movie, you know? Um, and the twilight zone launch too. I want to see that his his reboot that, that's up now yeah oh yeah. and that uh oh, i can't remember which platform cbs uh all access or whatever uh, like cbs's okay. streaming service so yeah so you'll have to get that to my my here's my plan my plan is to wait for the stand to come out on there and then i'm going to do the one month trial and oh yes binge them both and that'll let me know if it's then i'll just not continue the trial and wait for the next season of twilight zone to come out so yeah that sounds like a good plan it's getting ridiculous netflix is about to up their prices again and so many streets like i i was telling my the guy that i work with i'm like i'm wait i like now i want to create a service that just centralizes all of the streaming services like one bill all streaming and then i'm waiting and then i want somebody to be like that's just cable for the internet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh so it's like that that uh who was it was it twinkie that sent us the uh 
So the cast thread, the yep. uh, the player that played everything from laser discs all through everything, <laughs> like every media, I, like there. As I'm reading the description of that thing, I'm like, there is a part of Dave that wishes this was not an April Fool's joke. Oh my like, god, yeah. I think I saw that. Um, I was like at the doctor's, you know, or you know, at the hospital, like you know, whatever minutes away from putting my phone away for the surgeries and stuff. And I was like, what is this for? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fucking April Fool's. <laughs> That's exactly, I'm like, I'm like, this is going to piss Dave off so much. He's going to actually want this. I did. I, and I did kind of, it looked like legitimate, like the logos and all that. Yeah. And, and I, you know, the laser disc players at the time, like that, they would play laser discs and CDs. And so, they yeah. were playing a lot of the different so i was like didn't see and of course blu-ray players also play cds and i was just like oh perhaps this technology could exist in one player <laughs> oh that's hilarious yeah um i loathe to say it because usually it's a relief and it's a relief but it's also gonna suck i have to go pee all right go pee <laughs> uh and maybe uh Let's I don't go. Know. Well, we'll figure out what we talk about from from there. We can yeah. talk some King stuff or uh, introduce that '94 segment or any yeah. other thing. Yeah, any of that stuff. Let's go pee and then we'll come back. All right. Don't fucking, don't go, fucking anywhere. go anywhere. There's three of you in there. I'm one of them. And then the other. So the other two of you. Don't fucking go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. All right. Perfect timing. I literally just got my cans back on. Oh, good. Awesome. All right. Everything come out all right? More or less. Yeah. <laughs> oh, buddy. I am. Man. <laughs> I really, really helps you. I mean, like, put in perspective, like, when you are feeling healthy. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a, it's a gift. <laughs> yeah. Man. I am so sorry. Thanks. Yeah. It's, the way it goes i guess <laughs> that's right <laughs> fucking man getting old it sucks god yeah. damn does it suck it does <laughs> i look at my uh, i look at my hair i'm just like i think i'm gonna go uh i think i'm gonna join dollar shave club and sh- start shaving my head i think to the scalp yeah baby butt bald <laughs> and just like hit it like logan it Speaking of which, she'll be on next episode. Uh, awesome. Yeah. 
Will you keep the beard? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll look like Shel Silverstein. Uh, uh, <laughs> which is uh, what I'm going for. So it uh, works yeah. out. Um, and and the, the, how's your um, uh, CPAP machine? Uh, I got to do it. I got to get back on that thing. I fell off the wagon with it. I got to. I can imagine it'd be hard to use if it's so uncomfortable because you got to, I mean. Yeah. It's what when you want to relax and you, you got to shut your body down and yeah. sleep, but you can't fucking breathe. That's uh yeah. It's so weird. So. Oh, oh. Getting in on the old man. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, I like man fucking backs. I mean, my, my, uh, big gay boss from casual mail. <laughs> he, that's what I. That's, no, a, that's it's awesome. a. It's a Everything South, about that is awesome. <laughs> it's a South Park reference. I've called him his big, my big gay boss. Like he was awesome. I absolutely loved him. I, I do not mean that in a derogatory way. It is expressly descriptive. No, and it sounds awesome yeah. to me. I just made me laugh. Um. Uh, he threw his back out flushing the toilet, like he just. Uh. He like reach strong, you know that you know that re like you said ah oh, because you know yeah I can I know see how can that could turn. happen like yeah <laughs> you just turn wrong and reach wrong and that all those like perfect storm of events he couldn't walk for three days like because from flushing the toilet like <laughs> oh fucking old getting old is horrific like that. <laughs> that's a good all, word for it <laughs> all that shit that they tell you that you're like oh youth is wasted on the young and you scoff at it your entire life you're like yeah i know i'm gonna get old even like even when you try to be wise about it and you're just like i know <laughs> poor gay al <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it it just is it just hits you like a, and you're just like fuck you know like <laughs> yeah. oh i hate it yeah me too it's yeah. been attacking my <laughs> my dick and ass for the last couple of years no which is the last shit. thing you fucking want yes <laughs> i mean and you want to be able to tell yourself you're like okay i got all the dick and ass stuff out of the way like i like at least i got it out early right yeah i hope so fucking I, a i hope for you too like <laughs> yeah man i have to do a the urinalysis like once i heal up to make so they'll that's what they'll try to figure out yeah. if there is something to where i need to watch for other stones anyway that that process doesn't sound bad though i yeah. just pee to a jug for for 24 hours that, that's fun that'll be a yeah, fucking game you gotta keep you gotta keep <laughs> oh, at least as a dude it's much my mom used to have to do that as a woman like that probably is much harder to do I would, yeah but a dude so. you can just <laughs> pee right into the jug you don't even yeah. have to you know the worst part is like after 12 hours having to open the jug oh, and yeah. stick your That's dick true. in it like to piss like yeah i don't i feel like it'll, i'll be interested to notice if i fill up the jug <laughs> i feel like that's a very <laughs> strong possibility yeah <laughs> oh god oh this show's so gross with my ailments <laughs> it's like a goddamn florida <laughs> retirement home it's right now this is her, like my knee went out it really did like it did <laughs> like i think from my solo pinball job because i spent so much time on this guy's basement floor on my knee yesterday throughout the day it just progressively got tighter and tighter to the point i couldn't like i 
didn't do anything last night. It hurt so bad. Oh, man. Fucking God, getting old. Moto, are you getting around all right? You just got a sore lower back, or is it guy you actually laid up? I'm typing. Moving a bowling ball. That is, you're just moving a bowling ball. You should be able to move a bowling ball without throwing your goddamn back out. <laughs> Fucking time. Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, I'm not sure if I'd be able to type in. Um, the uh, I was I was thinking like what I was, was talking about the king corner. Uh, was was thinking about that I think for my goals I just bought, spending time with things that I would like to you know enjoy. Oh, he was laid up wearing a brace. Oh, fuck, fuck, that sucks. <laughs> oh man, God, hang in there. <laughs> That's yeah, just shitty. <laughs> Man, you got to relax. I'm not doing a great job at, at relaxing, I guess. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Two ball bag. <laughs> <laughs> it was a two-ball bag. No. We all got those. <laughs> yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, I've thrown my back out hauling mine around, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. So, um, but, okay, King yeah. Corner. You wanted to bring up the King Yeah, King, King Corner. Corner. So o- over the weekend, um, the bride had a, a conference she went to, and before, and maybe even during my um, my overindulging, <laughs> I, I had all these, like I had gotten these special editions of various Stephen King-related um, movies and documentaries, but like a lot of them had multiple commentaries, and it just had been kind of daunting to get through because with Blu-rays, like I I can't just like sit there and I don't know. Um, like while sometimes if I'm editing the podcast or something, there'll be occasions where you know I do that thing that baffles you about putting a movie on mute because I can <laughs> I can't just glance up yeah. at it at times. Yeah, but I can't. I can't. There's really very little that I work on that I can have something audibly on. So I haven't, I've been dragging my feet on those, but I, what I do is I just hooked up the same recorder that I do our backup recordings for this into the Blu-ray player and streamed them, recorded them, basically the commentaries and then put them on my phone. Oh, and nice. So I, I was just walking around listening to these commentaries and I ended up having a blast with it. So I, I, I really quickly went through these, but I'll just give it a little bit more uh, screen time. One of them that I, I spent a bunch of time with is the Unearthed and Untold, which is uh, still available on Amazon, and it's a feature-length documentary about the making of Pet Cemetery. Yeah. The 1989 Stephen King documentary, or sorry, 1989 Stephen King adaptation that he adapted into the film. Right. Um, and uh, so I had seen that, like Palmer had recommended, I watched it and I watched Amazon it on Prime. Amazon. So, yep, Amazon Prime. Yeah. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch the documentary. It's cool. Um, but it has a bunch of special features. Like it has an audio commentary with the directors. Then it had a podcast commentary with the directors wow. and all these other things. So that was one I spent some time with and really enjoyed. Um, another documentary, uh, Just Desserts, uh, that, which is the making of Creep Show. Okay, uh, yeah. I've been spent the creep show shout factory is 
enormously expansive. And so that had taken me and, and, and actually some of those commentaries I still had yet to listen to. And one of the commentaries is what led me to this documentary. Wow. <laughs> so there's a guy, uh, his name is Michael Felsher and he, he's the owner and operator of red shirt pictures who they create, um, supplementary material for DVDs. And the more I've dived into these, like Stephen King and, and, uh, I, I, I'm into a lot of genre cinema, like getting like Monster Squad or uh, all the Frankenstein stuff that I'm interested in. I was, you know, doing John Carpenter movies for the previous years and all this kind of stuff. I kept seeing this red shirt pictures logo at the end of these, um, at the at these little uh, featurettes and stuff like that. And he actually uh, moderates a lot of commentaries. In fact, I think he moderated the cyborg commentary that came out last year. Like awesome. I, I don't know when this guy sleeps. Wow. <laughs> he he's so busy with this stuff, but he, so he was presenting like seriously, I think it might've been the fourth commentary on creep show. <laughs> and he's like, these are leftover interviews from a feature length making of creep show that I produced for the European DVD release. And it's called just desserts. And so I looked it up. I get it. It's this, you know, this documentary that I got on Blu-ray. In fact, both of these documentaries are released by this Synapse Films. Yeah. Which, which has a lot of things of this sort. Uh, right. And also like even porn titles. It's kind of a weird catalog <laughs> of like, <laughs> anyway. Uh, and it has like a paper catalog tucked in the thing. Um, but anyway, so so this... Uh, all of these things, like I was kind of like, I'm interested in them, but I was a little bit not super. Oh, and one more I'll bring up was there's the maximum overdrive. Oh uh, yeah. Beautiful. Um, I, I saw that. Yeah. Features. I saw that release. It's, be, it's beautiful. There's a lot of stuff with that. Yeah. All of these things are super loaded up. And like I said, I wasn't through creep show. There was a, the video commentary for stand by me. I hadn't listened to that either. So yeah. I got all of this stuff. And so I was just like, I was just kind of cranking it up. It's like four my, days worth of commentaries. It, yeah. It was many hours. I would not, cause I would load up a thing on my phone for a while. Anyway, I would just, I was kind of, uh, bacheloring it for the weekend. And so I was just playing them, um, back to back and kind of jumping around from movie to movie as I was able to, uh, anyway, but I ended up really, really enjoying myself uh, and enjoying the um, the information that was presented. Like, so I didn't expect. So a lot of it ended up being about this this red shirt pictures guy, this Michael Felsher. Um, he was present on most of the. I didn't realize he would be, um, but he moderated. Um, well, okay, so. <sighs> what am I trying to say? It's so much to like discuss. I don't really want to get into all of it. The Just Desserts commentary is just him doing a, a, a commentary and a documentary he made <laughs> that uh, is mostly just interviews um, with like George Romero and um, not Stephen King. Oddly enough, he couldn't get Stephen King. Neither of these documentaries could get Stephen King. But it was such an interesting and relatable take for me on like what it takes to gather all interviews and like kind of stitch together um, a story to relate real life events and all this, this sort of behind the scenes of a documentary that I was endlessly like fascinated with how he, the challenges that he had. And I just really enjoyed it to the point where when I finished that commentary, 
I wrote him an email through his website, just saying like how much I appreciate the, his general approach to the work that he does and telling the stories of these movies. And, uh, yeah, it was just really cool. I really enjoyed it. I, I can't say enough good things about like that, that guy and his, uh, his work. You'll find him all over all kinds of these kinds of That's things. That's awesome. I, I didn't realize I'd heard him on these commentaries so often moderating, like asking the directors questions and stuff and keeping it moving. Um, and then he turned out he uh, produced most of the stuff on the Maximum Overdrive disc. Wow. One of which is a commentary. So there are two commentaries on this. One is uh, with comedian Jonah Ray, who's the new host of media uh, science fiction theater 3000. Oh, yeah, yeah. Episodes. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so it's him and uh, Blumhouse film executive Ryan Turek. And so they talk about the movie like as it happens. Right. Uh, it's, it's not like Mystery Science Theater, but they do comment right. on the events as it happens. The other commentary is with the author of Hollywood, Stephen King, Tony Magistrate, Magistrale, sorry. And it happens to be moderated by this Michael Felsher. Um, that commentary is not seen specific for the movie at all and turns out to be a kind of a nine, you know, hundred minute overview of Stephen King's movies adaptations. Awesome. Like this guy, this guy's written the book on it. And, and, uh, so they go, kind of go chronologically through the adaptations of Stephen King's works and like the phases that they've gone through. And it's exactly what I've been doing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it was this really fun like guide um, to his cinematic uh, adaptations. But also this guy has written this book about him. So has interviewed him a few times. And what you were saying before about Jordan Peele and his assertion that this new movie, Us, is just just a horror movie no social commentary right um there's a there's a thread with this author um about like his interactions with stephen king where stephen king is just like you know i'm just right he's like i I, it's like i've told you so many times this is just about this and you want to make it about i think he's trying to make this guy asserts that children of the corn is this vietnam allegory and all of this and so I mean, I, for a time, like I transitioned, like when I went to college at at 21 and kind of would go a year and have to take a year off and move and all this, I started out as an English major because it was the, it it fit my study of films. Like I was always listening to like Laserdisc commentaries and learning about movies and what people were intending and all of that. And honestly, a lot of that comes back to 1994, which will come up a little later. It's funny, all this is all intertwined but i eventually stopped being studying english literature because i realized that what i really cared about was how people translated their you know emotions into creative outlets and like how that manifested and what i am only interested in what the i mean i'm interested in what i experience but my if i'm going to study it i'm interested in what the creative team was trying to achieve and how that how that did or didn't sort of was was or was not successful to me personally um but i don't i'm fascinated by the idea of a of a quote-unquote reading on something but it doesn't actually interest me so when this guy's talking about his theories about children of the corn or whatever he's got these like firmly held beliefs that like the ice cream truck in the dead zone you know stands because john you know there's an ice cream truck that drives through the frame and that's because johnny's a mama's boy and stephen king like will get mad at him (laughs) (laughs) and say (laughs) 
so I don't know. That was all very, but this guy, nonetheless, he was just like, he's that whole thing about, um, critics or, or people that are like, once you create the thing, it's no longer yours to have ownership over. And then, you know, audience will take from it what they will and all this. But he says there's something about Stephen King where he doesn't, that doesn't sit very well with him sometimes. And he can get defensive about this, that, or the other. And, and they talked about how maybe it's, he, Stephen King feels that the most successful of his cinematic adaptations come from those filmmakers who get his sense of humor and yeah. are able to infuse that into the movies. And a lot of that is right where I'm at with like the the progression of uh, the like the I you know I just saw Stand by Me and Rob Reiner uh, and the Castle Rock. Of course, um, actually, Rob Reiner really really wanted to produce or to direct the Shawshank Redemption. Oh, really? Um, I learned a lot of so, so many interesting stories. Like I couldn't begin to like write them all down. Um, but from the stand by me commentary to all of these other commentaries, I just been immersed in kind of Stephen King lore and in, in the awesome. cinematic sort of interpretations and representations thereof. And they're even talking about in the, in the, um, documentary about like pet cemetery, like, Oh, I hear there's going to be a reboot. Um, would you be interested in that? They're asking each other and they're like, yeah, Oh, for all the kind of reasons about the Chucky sort of like Gage seeming like a little Chucky doll or whatever at the yeah. end. Uh, anyway, it's just been, I've been, uh, I'm glad I took the time to find a way to, to like work through and that's, what seemed in a way like a chore, but yeah. I ended up having a blast. Well, and I'm always a firm believer of like, if the things you love start becoming like a chore, then you like, you need to reevaluate them and yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean like reevaluate if they're, if they still mean a lot to you. It's in this case, it's like reevaluate how you're approaching them. And maybe there's another way. That's such a smart way. I bet you I could get through commentaries more if I would, if I were to just listen to them like a podcast episode, like without, that's what I did. Yeah. Without the visual of the movie. I think that's part of my, my problem is I want to enjoy the movie and then if they're talking about what's going on in the movie that if it doesn't jive with what I feel about the movie, I don't like that. Or mm-hmm. if they're just completely ignoring the movie, I, I know I bring it up all the time, but honestly the space balls comment like commentary with Mel Brooks is the most, it was the most horrific thing I ever tried to listen to because it was just oh that's terrible. It was just a bunch of old men like talking about their time in Hollywood, which you and not in a way that would sound interesting. Just like like oh, I had lunch with him last Tuesday, you know, like that kind yeah. of talk is what they're having, you know. Yeah. And it's just like, and the movie's just droning on, and they're not even like acknowledging it really, and uh, it was awful. And, but I think that if I were to separate that from the movie, it might be easier to get through them. I, that's a great idea. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah, I might uh, I might have them on MP3 that I could share if you ever get the urge. Yeah. So no one no one have no one heard that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it, it brought up another se- segment idea, or not segment, but like experiment that I thought we could try. Or that I was thinking that if I was, if you weren't going to record tonight, I was going to still like just broadcast live for a little bit to just give people an idea on why we weren't actually going to have an episode tonight. And uh, one of the ideas that ran through my head was what if 
I did a like movie with Palmer where I don't show the movie or any audio of the movie. I just broadcast live while I watch the movie so that people could sync up with me, you know, like oh, I could yeah. say like, I'm going to start in like three, two, one. So then they could start it. And then like, that's fun. Like yeah. we were watching the movie together. Uh, I bet double D would do that. <laughs> no, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I've done uh, that before with, uh, I think I, well, yeah, it's not worth detailing, but I have done that before. It's yeah. Fun. So fun way to watch a movie with someone you can't otherwise yeah. do it like side by side. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I'm trying to think what kind of King corner stuff I have. I'm still working, slowly working my way through the dark tower series. Again, I'm really just trying to enjoy it in little bits and, savor it while still being peppered every now and then with these random text messages from double D because he's like <laughs> on the other end of the journey and uh, experiencing, uh, I mean the last fuck the last two books are like a fever dream. They're just like so fast and so much happens in them. Uh, so yeah, that's really awesome. Uh, but the big one, it was it was really fun because I last week I re, um, Entertainment Weekly put out an interview, a really great interview with Stephen King about the upcoming. They they it, it's about Pet Cemetery twofold, threefold technically I guess, because they talk about the book and they talk about the first production and then they talk about the new um, adaptation of Pet Cemetery. And really getting Stephen King's, they, they're they not asking behind the scenes stuff. They're not asking inspiration stuff. They're just getting his opinion about those three things, uh, which is, I really like about the, like, he still does not like Pet Cemetery, Like, yeah. <laughs> like um, and then to hear, uh, it, it really made me feel like, uh, a lot of times you hear this in the music industry, like Prince, you know, the the artist formerly known as Prince. And I know Trent Reznor really struggled a lot to try to get out of his recording contract. And um, uh, he wrote Pet Cemetery and threw it in a drawer. And the only reason it got published was he was trying to get out of contract with his publisher. Yeah. He owed him one more book. <laughs> and that's what he threw at him. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> which when you realize how much he actually doesn't like the story like it's a big fuck you he like sent it to them as a fuck you like and then it ended up becoming like a bestseller he, yeah. like he was expecting it to tank i think and not do well because it was so bleak and dark and it ended up and they and they discussed that in the interview too and and get his opinion on why it has such an enduring legacy and it's this really, I remember going through it and just thinking like, oh my gosh, this is just so good. Like, it's just, it's really good to hear him say some of these, to hear his perspective on some of these things. Um, yeah. And it was, it was fascinating. Like I, 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 it's all pretty fresh for me and he does right, have an introduction to the book in which he talks about some of the stuff, but like the, the idea that until you get to the supernatural, a lot of it was based on his real life to some extent. I mean, mm -hmm. where he, you know, there is a real pet cemetery where they misspelled it and it was where they were living at the time and animals died crossing the road. And uh, was his daughter's cat 
actually killed in something like that. Or I, I can't remember the, that part. The scene with Judd Crandall where he calls him over and says, I think we have a, I think we got a problem with your daughter's cat. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, he says all of that happened. He had that elderly neighbor that lived across the road. And yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the daughter's cat died. They buried it. They went up to the pet cemetery and buried it in there. And he said what finally pushed him over, to, like push the idea into his psyche was that he heard her in the garage, like screaming, like you, you, why'd you have to take my cat? You're God. You can yeah. have any cat you want. Like why? Get like your own cat, get yeah, your own was, cat, you know, that's and, stuck in my head too. Um, yeah. And he said he had a close call with, with his son, Owen, running towards the road with a semi coming mm-hmm. and uh and spoilers for a third you know a nearly 30 year old <laughs> book like the little boy gets hit by that's the whole supernatural part uh he gets hit by a truck and they use the pet cemetery to bring him back to life yeah and yeah, bad I, uh, things happen like he is right like <laughs> Sometimes I don't care, I don't care that, that child's play <laughs> shit like like that is fucking terrifying in that like it, yeah it, it didn't it didn't bo- I mean I didn't remember thinking it was cheesy or anything like that and I had read the you know I had just read the book and so I yeah. knew what was coming and um yeah I thought it was I thought it was pretty well done um and well and for those of you who don't aren't the this new adaptation and it's not a spoiler for this movie because I think they intentionally put this in a trailer to prepare people for the drastic change. Uh, it's not the little boy in this new adaptation. It's the daughter, the eight-year-old daughter yeah, uh, who dies and is revived. And their justification is, is that the little boy, a, a three-year-old just, it just looks like a, a puppet, a grown adult. An eight-year-old girl is much more menacing than a three-year-old puppet, um, which is arguably true. Uh, but the the best part of that of this whole adaptation, which, and again, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like I saw on the in, in Reddit in one of the Stephen King in the Stephen King subreddit, I was reading some post, and somebody it was a post that was basically making a joke about how poor, like how bad Stephen King's taste is in things. Like he. And somebody's like, I don't really get this meme. And somebody replied, like, Stephen King is notorious for having shitty taste. Like, he likes bad <laughs> movies. He likes bad music. He likes, you know, he has a soft spot for those, like, things that are just n- terrible. Um, oh, let's yeah, let <laughs> see all that's coming in. Yeah, Odo's uh, quoting the Pumps' this song. <laughs> I can't remember what that song's called. Oh, it's called I'm Digging Up Your Grave. Yeah. <laughs> but there's that line in it. He's like, I like that scene in Pet Cemetery. <laughs> um, Which I get now. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think uh, he the the best part of that article was the seal. He like he says it's scary as hell. Like he's yeah, it's a and fucking he, great movie. He say, he's like I fucking it's like it's fucking great. I think yeah, is what he says. It's right? fucking is, great. Like that's what you want. Yeah. So um, I I'm excited to see it. I I don't. I'm not looking forward to the Zelda shit. 
like <laughs> I know that is what everyone talks about in the documentary about the first one. And yeah, was like that's what everybody remembers is the most scary thing, f- far and away. And of course, I, I can't I, like, like a I, younger I, man. I <laughs> yeah. can't see that. I can't. I still have not watched that scene all the way through. Other like on here was the first time yeah. I watched that. <laughs> that's right. Like it's, oh, it's so terrifying. Stuff. So terrifying. Oh. Rachel! <laughs> oh, fuck. <sighs> yeah. So I'm looking forward to it now. If I really kind of come around uh, from, I, I mean, obviously it helps, for, especially with all I said about, you know, valuing what authors are intending and stuff. The Stephen King seal of approval goes a long way, but you had already kind of talked me into it before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm I'm there. I'm gonna see it. Yep. I think the bride's going too, which is nice. Um, why don't we? Uh, you got anything other? Any other major? You got oh. you want to do shit the bride says or anything? I know we have one more segment to do. Um, no, I'll just I'll uh, skip, skip shit the bride says today, just because I'm trying not to necessarily laugh too hard anyway. <laughs> okay, but, but I um I also I I listened to the breathing method. Uh, oh, so. what did you think of that? It was weird. Like, um, I don't quite get why, why it was a story within a story. You know, the whole thing about the club, like I didn't quite understand what the, I don't know. I was a little, like there were times where I'd find that I had drifted and wasn't paying close attention and, uh, had to, you know, rewind or something. But, um, yeah, just in terms of like the actual, like main story, I guess that involves the breathing method. That was pretty yeah, memorable. Seemed like it could could have been right on a creep show or something. Yeah, and in unfilmable, right? Like a, a pregnant woman getting decapitated, like still yeah. doing Lamans, like gi- and yeah. then giving birth. Yeah, and then giving birth. Uh, um, I think that that I so I tie that story to the Dark Tower universe a lot. A big theme in the Dark Tower universe is this idea of other world worlds within worlds and other worlds and that there are thin spots in between those worlds. And I really see that that club is one of those oh. spots. Um, Cause they talk about how like, not to like it, the, the, it just goes on forever. It just seems to like, there's always like another, I, I when I, I can't, I haven't listened to that in a while. I've listened to it a couple times, but I haven't listened to it a while, but I, I feel like there's this, there is this, um, idea pushed forward that there that the halls of this club are kind of endless like if you were to keep exploring you would just find more nooks and crannies of this place Mm. even though it looks like a normal sized building from the outside that it would just go on forever and yeah um or or this idea like the thing towards the end where like if you open the door you would see the strangest outside, not New York City, where you're. Supposed yeah, to yeah, like, like, and that's a doorway to another world, and and the the idea that the the caretaker of this club, the that they all would give the bonus to every year, he never aged, like he stayed, yeah, like throughout the whole all those years, like he remained the same. He was all, and he was always there, and. Um, oh, that sounds like the shining. Like you, you're always here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I like, I all of that stuff. It, it creates this sense of fantasy 
that leads you into it lulls you into the story that's being told and and prepares you for i think it made them it makes the the stories they tell more believable in that place because that place is the impossible so Ah. they can tell stories of the impossible things that have happened to them in their lives and it makes it easier to believe you know like yeah that's interesting and they keep saying it's not the it's the tale not he who tells it right right they would repeat right so yeah and i i i I don't know i just love everything about that i love the setup i love the idea that there's this secret club that these men go to to that do things that because they're all kind of like wealthy aristocrats right it seems like and but they're instead of doing nefarious things they go and like play in a club to tell stories and like yeah and like read books independently in the corner (laughs) yeah yeah and like (laughs) climb through secret passages to play pool in like a, a hidden room and stuff like like to just take the pressure off of their other i feel like to just be normal you know to like do the things that they don't get to do outside and and then the store and then all of a sudden you come to this like um tradition you find this like and i love to tell stories so that appeals to me yeah and then like this awesome story is told that like in 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 the sense of it being an audiobook, so it is being told out loud, it's being read out mm-hmm. loud. Yeah. If you just get lulled into the like telling of the tale, it is a great story. Like it Yeah. Once it, you got into the one about the the pregnant woman. Yeah. I, like I finally I, I stopped worrying about am I following and just fell into it. Yeah. And, I, was, and I was getting lost a little bit off and on before that. It's just this great it's it, it is a great oral story just in the tradition of an oral story and really well told and really you really get pulled into it to where in the end when some of the most horrible things you can ever think to happen in a story are happening you're on the edge of your seat and you're listening to every word of it so yeah, and I kept listening. I kept thinking in the back of my head what you had said about how it's an unfilmable uh, story, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder what what he means by that." Yeah, and so I find if I didn't understand until the very end, <laughs> I was like, "Ah, yeah." <laughs> There's no way that'll ever get put on film. Like I can't ever see that ever being able to be uh, filmed. It's doubtful, but boy, we've seen some weird shit. <laughs> so th- that also means that you got through App Pupil. Did you? I didn't that? actually. Oh, you did. The reason the reason I hadn't, uh, but I it was all queued up after I listened to the body for. Uh, uh, I can't remember the name of the story. That what is the name of that story we've been talking about? The oh, the breathing method. The breathing method. Yeah. So it was all queued up for that in the in the audiobook. and so. Um, and I knew like, oh, there's no movie that I need to watch after this. I'll just uh, chip away at it. And then I actually finished it today. Like I'd realized I wasn't resting well. And so in the time between when I was set up and we were going to start this, I literally like laid flat on my back and listened to the book for an hour Awesome. <laughs> to awesome. finish it up. Uh, but I, I will get to go to app pupil next. But what I wasn't prepared for was that there was an afterward Um the the you know Stephen King wrote an afterward talking about how this collection came about, but the thing that I mentioned that I really liked was he was just talking about how 
he basically how he became uh, pigeonholed as a horror writer and where these stories sort of fell into the order in which he wrote things and how stuff came out. So it's just very interesting for me. Um, so chronologically uh, obsessed as I am to know that like it was, you know, Carrie, well, after he, he Carrie came out and he had like two books, one, I can't remember. It was like the blaze. I don't know if anything comes of that. Uh, and then what, what uh, second coming, which ultimately became called, Salem's Lot, which was the next one to come out. Yeah. But basically, after Salem's Lot is when he wrote The Body, which, you know, Stand By Me. And then after The Shining, he wrote Apt Pupil, he said. And then after, the, he said he basically, he would always write one of these right after writing a, a full-length uh, horror novel. After The Dead Zone, he wrote Shawshank Redemption. And after Firestarter, he wrote The Breathing Method. Wow. Um, so I got to I hear that before. I've just, yeah, there's, I've had the... In the last week, just so much kind of percolating in my brain about because Stephen King has done so much and there's always so much going on with what he's working on at the same time things are coming out. And even just like stuff folding in on themselves, like I finally in my David Lynch chronology, I'd never actually watched Dune. Uh, I watched that in the last, I'd say, two months. And that was produced by uh uh, Dino De Laurentiis yeah. um, in and uh, and basically David Lynch having done that movie it was what led to him being able to do Blue Velvet which is one of the weirdest movies to come out of like mainstream Hollywood ever and it's coming out on Criterion like I pre-ordered oh really it. Oh, there's this fuck. I, I, I haven't actually spent a lot of time with Blue Velvet there's a DVD that came out in the early 2000s which was probably the second time I saw it and uh didn't we go to so cedar lee and see it me and maybe, me, me and you that's where i that's the i saw it in the cedar lee i thought i saw it with you oh, and larry like because you were possible uh, you, i don't remember you were living in the apartment up in <laughs> cleveland heights and because that's where because i remember I didn't know the line like like Heineken fuck that shit Paps Blue Ribbon like that's how Larry <laughs> sold it to me was like he, like <laughs> you love Paps Blue Ribbon and <laughs> this guy will punch a guy in the face and yeah. make him drink it yeah <laughs> oh um, wow I'm surprised I can't remember that more specifically but maybe you weren't I, I swear though I know I saw it in the theater I know I saw it at the Cedar Lee because it could have been when I wasn't living, yeah, uh, and we were hanging out with Larry. But maybe. But I got I got really excited about that anyway, just because I'm doing this David Lynch thing. But I also known that there was this Blue Velvet documentary that was out doing the festival circuit. And I kept thinking, like, when will that come to? Anyway, so that's like pre-ordered coming in the mail. But I'm listening to the, like the commentaries for. Uh, what was it? It's like some of these, some of these movies, a creep show, maybe, or I don't know. All they're all talking about, like on the set of Creep Show, Stephen King, or was it Pet Cemetery? Fuck, I can't even remember. They're talking like he would walk down the road, like reading a book, <laughs> and and sometimes the like the crew member would stop and pick him up, and when when they heard eventually that he was. Or years later that he got hit on the side of the road, it's like, well, no wonder he's just like he's always doing that. Oh no! And he was, and another thing he was talking about on the set of um, Maximum Overdrive, like he was talking to somebody, and he was like writing on this tiny version of a word processor, like probably one of the first ones in there. And he's like, "Ah, writing a good one, 
it's about a clown. <laughs> like all this oh, kind of wow. stuff where I just, I, and I honestly, they're all crisscrossed in my mind, but there was one, there was a story. I think it maybe it was standby. I can't remember what the, so that the, the years would line up, but a lot was going on like with this three picture deal that they had, uh, that involved like cat's eye, all the stuff in Wilmington, um, cat's eye was so the firestarter was the first and firestarter filming there with Dino De Laurentiis, i guess started and they did dead zone it all like the whole industry in wilmington north carolina that became like the hollywood of the south uh grew out of like these stephen king movies That's basically awesome and so like they were talking about how uh, it was one of the people in the behind the scenes i think of maximum overdrive was talking about like how he came home from work one day and isabella rosalini is like playing with his kid in the backyard because she, he, she's down there shooting blue velvet and ran into like his wife and their kid in the supermarket and the kid took a liking to her and it's just like i don't know it's all so wild that all of these things were happening at once and it's all so many years ago but i'm just hearing about it now for the first time and feeling that kind of uh, synergy of, anyway, I've been having it's been fun for me. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of Isabel Rosalini and Blue Velvet, and one of my favorites, uh, Roger Ebert, absolutely despised David Lynch for his treatment of. He hated Blue Velvet. Like that's one of his most notorious. Yeah. Like he uh, thought it was like an abomination type yeah. of thing, <laughs> and 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 thought that it was essentially a snu- he the way he treats it is like it was a snuff film essentially. Uh, yeah, I, that just made me that just triggered me. Like, well, you know what's crazy is that. Uh, that image of her. I know I'm pretty sure I know one of the things that's most upsetting is she like comes out of the this house like nude and bloodied like bruised from being beaten up probably by frank booth the dennis hopper character and she's like this almost like this ghost against the darkness coming out i think like showing herself to uh i mean it's been a long time since i've seen it but that image is like burnt to my brain and it's such a vulnerable uh image of this woman um that is directly like david lynch does not tell you much about yeah. where things come from but in in his biographies and stuff he has related this story uh, that he remembers when he was a kid growing up, which a lot of his upbringing he'll describe as kind of idyllic. Uh, but there was this one time where um, this woman like wandered out of the darkness in their neighborhood, like bloodied and, and naked and like, you know, uh, walked over and like sat down on the curb or something and cried. I can't remember the details of the story, but it was this this thing that he just kind of uh, glimpsed. Yeah. And it's, you know, so so directly like represented then in that in that movie. Um yeah, that's a oh man, that movie. So <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I could imagine like seeing that and feeling like yeah, being upset by it. I've definitely been upset by things in that way where I felt Sorry, that I, I, that was no, a all right. on the, the the um South Carolina Hollywood being a spark from existing because of Stephen King adaptations. That's yeah, no, that's I mean that's kind of what I mean. It's all like swirling in this yeah. stew for me that it's a little bit more 
like fresh because and, and it because of all of those different things like it was the stand by me commentary it was the, like five different dvds like doing with five different movies yeah and then there was that one where the guy did an overview of all of it, and i was just like i'm just all over the place but it's, it's oh it's been so cool and for me, like the Wilmington connection is awfully real too. Cause like I've been there a few times. I almost went to film school there. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, like I have an application that I saw recently and I'm not sure if I never didn't send it in. I think maybe I'm not sure. Cause it was like when I got d- d- divorced, basically I was living down there with my yeah. short, uh, well, I was going to say short lived <laughs> marriage, but, but with my ex-wife, I guess. Um, but uh, that that was where the crow was filmed, um, which of course viewers of our <laughs> anyone that knows me or the show <laughs> knows that I have a long history with that <laughs> property and that film. Um, Cyborg is filmed there. <laughs> like I saw. <so> wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I didn't realize that it all kind of grew out of uh, the fire starter uh, f- being the first, and because um, they talked about that, I think on the maximum overdrive. Uh, supplementary materials that's what's so interesting about the this kind of supplementary material is that you learn a lot of things like surrounding productions that i have a a real interest in that kind of thing i i love yeah the continuity of people's careers and i like to know like what informs this the 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 work and so it was awfully interesting to hear about how that infrastructure was built up around like these multi-picture deals. Uh, anyway, so I've been spending a lot of time That's in awesome. King, King country and it's, it's even sort of, you know, re- reminding me of these other things like the, yeah. the blue velvets and the, the crow and the cyborg of it all. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's all tied around King. Like that's a, like one guy's imagination really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, this one, I, the guy that wrote the film text on him, uh, even though the guy is like a uh, literature, uh, that's his focus. He's like, he, he thinks that his his legacy will have a lot more to do with the, the films than his books, which I think is a weird thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Well, especially but, just, I mean, I know that we are in kind of like this Stephen King renaissance and... We're getting a lot of great adaptations of his work right now, and there's a lot still in the pipeline. Uh, but there was a long period of his career where his movie adaptations were just shit. He was still putting out good writing. I can't say that his he's going to be remembered for his movies more than his writing. There's no fucking... Yeah, that does seem I, odd. Very odd. I can't say that. This guy has real strong opinions on, on things. As a, well, and I mean, I can't fucking see like who's going to get an argument about Steve with Stephen King about what he meant when he wrote it. Like, I know. I, you know, like, <laughs> like yeah, it takes a special kind yeah. of asshole. <laughs> I, I I think it takes a special kind of ass- like if the artist, if the creator of something is saying to you, no, like, no, <laughs> yeah. that's not what it means. You're reading too much into it. Uh, it's the same thing that like I get it like it really upsets me when people want to push a director or a writer to to explain an ambiguous like an a, an ending or or something that is obviously there for you to find your meaning in it you know like right what yeah. does it mean to you I, and I on it. and I re- and when they get pressed on it to the point and I really just love that how the one Daniel does it in that thing where that 
that woman, like three people in a row, ask him what Swiss Army Man means, what the ending to yeah. it means. And finally, he just gets pissed and he looks at that girl and he's like, what does it mean to you? And she's like, no, I'm asking you what it means. And he's like, no, what? Like, <laughs> if you were me, how would you answer that question? And then the girl gives this really eloquent, beautiful meaning that makes sense. Right. And he's, right. Like, and he's like, that's it right there. That's what it means. There you go. Like, why isn't <laughs> yeah. that enough? You know, right. like, it's more in a lot of ways. Exactly. Like, like, oh, yeah. so, yeah. I, uh, yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that. No, oh, that's all right. I'll, I'll, show, I'll throw all those commentaries in the thing and I'll tell you the, the one or two that I think you'd, yeah. the, the overview I, 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 I would I really would like, like, would like to listen to the overview one. I think, I think that yeah. one would be, fun. I might just toss that in the standby me one in there. Yeah. Um, because uh, the Stand By Me stories are great. And I think yeah. whether you... And I like listening would, to Rob Reiner talk. I think he's got a great voice. So if he's on the commentary... Yeah, like, he is. Yeah, he, he... And it's... The one I have in this audio form is from the more recent one where he actually has Corey uh, Feldman and Will Wheaton there with him. Uh-huh. Um, so it's not all him. But but it is kind of nice to hear... <laughs> I guess their, their remembrances as well. Um, but anyway, yeah. th- those two in particular uh, are really, are really, there's a lot in there. Uh, but I got to pee one more time. All uh, right. Well, let's pee. Do you still want to do this? Nine, 94? So here, what I was going to say was, because we were just going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, um, why don't we go pee? And then uh, I don't know if you have any kind of, intro or whatever like uh, an opener for it but i could i thought i would just talk about the idea that i had yeah i like that i don't know where and where it stemmed from and then i i but i would like just like our goals i would really like every episode that we kind of make a room for the rest of the year at least that we kind of make room for one of these um yeah i yeah i like that idea i don't yeah i don't have i don't have any notes for the movie or anything like that um um, but i can always chat about these things and maybe we'll do like 25 <laughs> minutes like we won't talk longer than 25 minutes i like so it's it. the yeah. 25 year anniversary oh that's a great that's yeah a great so idea. we give each one 25 minutes because it's the 25th anniversary so i like that a lot um, a timer yeah so i'll set a timer and then we'll just talk about why it's there and all that stuff so and for everybody that's listening ah, we'll tell you all about it after we piss <laughs> Don't fucking go anywhere. <laughs> you want to hear about the new segment or not? Don't fucking go anywhere. Go piss. <laughs> and then we'll come back. Uh, okay. okay, be right back. All right.
understand for this last little bit of this case. Ankles bugging you? Yeah, and not even my ankles, my knee. Oh, yeah. And all that shit, so... This is like a powerful though. Like when you're standing like this, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about that. It's uh oh yeah. It, I it's mean, not, I, aggressive is not the right word, but there's something like really striking about because you're just like standing up. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's because I picture you're about ready to get into Cobra Kai stance <laughs> when you were. Remember when you had the outfit? Oh yeah. I think you were standing. Anyway, I like it. <laughs> uh so yeah, but it's it is nice to stand sometimes. I mean, if I could fuck, if I could stand for the entire like four hours, I would feel a million times better afterwards than sitting that whole time. You could, we could, you, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, it's just the endurance of standing still that whole time. Like, you might, yeah, that's trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, so, all right. Well, we're back, and we're gonna talk about um, so. I had sent out last week a link. This is the 25th anniversary of Shawshank Redemption. And unbeknownst to me, um, at the Ohio Reformatory, which is in Mansfield, Ohio, where the Shawshank Redemption was shot, every year they do like a reunion where they get some of the cast comes back anybody that they're willing to and they have kind of like a little mini con for Shawshank Redemption fans at the Ohio Reformatory where you can tour it and see where it was shot and schmooze with C-list celebrities and uh, all kinds of stuff and since it's the 25th year they're kind of doing a big one and it and all of the internetting that I do it popped up and so I shared it and uh, that made me realize that it's the 25th anniversary of just 1994 in general, which is Dave's big year of film, his 1999 of film. And so <laughs> I thought that... 1999 uh, being Palmer's favorite year. So. <laughs> just in case you're yeah. a new listener. I love that idea. Because I put everything in, in, in context of myself because that's not what I do. I fuck, God damn. No, I'm, I mean, it makes sense on this show, but... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, so, uh, and so I thought that we should just kind of give a little bit of time every episode for the rest of the year since it is the 25th anniversary of that year and... You know, we kind of celebrated this being like the 20 year anniversary of us work, like doing projects together. And so I thought we should talk about those films and why they're important to him. And so um, that's what we were talking about, that we would give each one 25 minutes instead of giving a whole episode that would just be forever. And so... (laughs) um, so I, I sent him that idea. He's like, that's a great idea. I said, so let me know what the first one's going to be <laughs> so that I can try to watch it. And he is like, I have to check my lists. And of course, <laughs> I'm sure there was multiple binders reference, like cross referenced with each other. Um, I, I picture, I wish I had a montage of all the scenes from, uh, uh, high fidelity where he's trying to revamp his like top five album list. Like that's what right. I picture yep. Dave going through like, like have it knowing that we're going to do this for the rest of the year. Um, and he settled on his first one being uh reality bites. And so are you going to go chronological through the year then? 
Yeah, th- that's how I because I I I would it, I can't yeah. <laughs> make lists of things like and, and that, <laughs> so this is this came out on eighteenth of February nineteen ninety four. Reality bites. Yeah. Uh, PG thirteen, and I'm not starting your twenty five minute clock. Yet. I like this intro. Yeah. Uh, it, um, PG thirteen, nineteen ninety four. Uh, it is a dramedy. I think would, it would that's be a good a term of that we would call it. Uh, hour and a half. The current IMDb rating is a six point six out of ten. Um, and that's with forty one thousand votes. Uh, in the top, that's I'll give you the great. top top <laughs> cast: Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Janine Garofalo, Steve Zahn, which it was he was a pleasant surprise. Oh yeah, uh, and and Ben Stiller. So. Those are the major players in the movie, and it's directed by Ben Stiller himself, uh, yeah. which I did not know. Is this his directorial debut? Uh, for feature film, yeah. He uh, had that Ben Stiller show that was uh, people liked that. I didn't watch it, but it's what got him the gig. Uh, that would be the dream. Well, him and Janine Garofalo are like best friends in real life. Yeah. So I, uh, or, uh, yeah, she was from the show. Yeah. yeah. And she, well, they wrote it, they put a book out together, like the two of them. Like, really? I remember there being a thing in the late 90s. Where everybody assumed they were dating because they they worked so much together and they just thought and they were like no we're just best friends like it was a pop culture thing like they oh about how, and they put out a book I think they put out a book together and like there's there there's one chat like there's one point in the book where it's like chapter thirty seven and it's blank it's like five blank pages and they just <laughs> were like we were under contract to have so many chapters and so we just. <laughs> <laughs> great uh yeah so um which is awesome so here's what i'm going to do it's 10 24 i'm going to start the clock here and i thought i wish i would have if i what i want to do and for next time i'm going to make sure i i have this i want to have like a core set of questions to just oh i like that a lot a lot yeah in the 25 minutes so i'm sorry i don't have that ready now that's all right. Uh, but we'll just go go on instinct for this first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I, I I like that there being a template for us to really that'll help us stick to the twenty five minute deal too. So yeah. All right. So it started. So t- um, give us give us your brief synopsis first of Reality Bites. Oh, terrible at that, but I will try. Um, I mean, it's about uh, a group of friends in their 20s uh, living in Texas. And the one friend, uh, Lelena Pierce, uh, is I think she's a valedictorian of their college, maybe even, or at least is, she's the one to give a f- speech. <laughs> and uh, she she's kind of working on a documentary about her friends. Um, and there's common themes of divorce, uh and you know trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives and stuff and then she's working at um like a like a morning show at a network and um staying after to edit her documentary and then yeah it's just it's just kind of the the life and times of her and her friends i uh, i it's like uh, it's a template for dave uh, some of that stuff like the yeah it the is friend commentaries <laughs> the like Finding a job in media so you can work like after hours on your yeah. projects and uh, um, I, I, I I'm just bringing up the I rented it on Amazon and yeah and Palmer had not seen seen it at all yeah uh, which was 
it's kind of an interesting then perspective because I saw this. Um, t- so we're, you know, I, I nailed down this year of 1994 as being really pivotal for me. Um, I'm realizing a lot of uh, these films, well, not as many, but this is one of a handful of them that I only saw on video probably the next year. Yeah. Uh, but, and I hadn't actually, I hadn't actually, my, my life didn't quite resemble the Lelena Pierce's character as much because I was a teenager and hadn't quite met the cabin kids and stuff. And so it's sort of interesting. I wonder if maybe that's where some of the seeds of this behavior was planted in my head or something. Cause um, I wasn't doing that yet. (laughs) The one thing that I find really striking about this movie is easily a third of it is told through screens is Mm -hmm. uh, um, your actual like video footage. Uh, actual video that was kind of rare too like it wasn't filming of a camera or, or filming of a monitor or whenever they're in the studio yeah. like they're not sure like because i got the hd i rented the hd version of the movie and so so much of that is video that they mm-hmm. actually use in the thing so then when it would cut to the hd shot like the actual like quote-unquote motion picture shots it was jarring how drastic and quality between those two things and how yeah. how often he relied on screen like sh- the shooting of screens to be to tell the story um yeah yeah and uh he he directed cable guy too right yeah i think that was the movie he made next uh, and so and you can see that in that as well i remember there was a lot of those uh cuz there's like the menendez storyline is like the background story in that where he plays the twin brothers that killed their parents oh right yes yeah uh, so there's <laughs> a lot of, that was like, in there uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of that kind of storytelling style happening in, through screens as well in uh, cable guy uh, but i remember that being like a big really shocking how much of it was told through screens um yeah yeah the the real world had just came out prior to like the first season I think had aired by the time this movie actually went into production and you can see cause there are, so part of the, part of the story of the, of the movie is that, um, that Lena Pierce character meets Ben Stiller. So Winona Ryder meets Ben Stiller's character. Like she accidentally hits his car and turns out he's the, their age, a little bit older, but works for kind of like an MTV. Um, and essentially, uh, they have they start up a romance and at a certain point like the Ben Stiller character presents her documentary in an MTV format uh, that resembles something kind of like the real world and by the time it reaches the ending credits it it's very much commenting on that whole uh, culture that was starting with the um, reality TV and MTV but like there are actual cast members that you see uh, from the real world two that took place in Los Angeles oh. uh, on, on camera, <laughs> which yeah. was notable at the time. But you know, now, you know, you had to be around, I think to, to recognize them. But uh, yeah, it was a very zeitgeisty movie. Yeah. Um, this, and it was, um, it actually came about in some ways because the, the producer, one of the producers of the big chill, which is like this movie about people in their thirties. That was definitely before my time wanted to make, a movie like that for people in their twenties. And so he sort of sought out some of the talent that event, you know, from the writer, Helen Childress, who basically was just writing about her friends. Um, but, and it was going to be this very small and independent movie until Winona Ryder, uh, uh, glommed onto it that 
that changed everything and eventually came out through universal and has a U2. I mean the U2 song in it at the end, all I want is you, which is used brilliantly. Um, they got that cause why not a writer was friends with Bono. <laughs> oh man. That's so, all. Yeah. <laughs> cause Ben Stiller's like, he's like, I can't believe you know Bono and she could just call him and get this song for the movie. And, um, but yeah, so I think, you know, I saw it as a teenager and, um, you know, there's a certain element of like unrequited love, which was a common theme in my life. Uh, I related to a lot, but I also think it just like, I liked the idea. I didn't have like a group of friends like that yet. Um, uh, it was just me and Jacko <laughs> hanging out basically. Yeah. So I couldn't even quite relate to that. I think right around that time he and I was, we were doing like, uh, doing school plays and so we started to have this kind of core group of drama friends of like five people of which there were a couple of girls so it's i mean i think it, yeah it just i think represented to me in some ways what i wanted my 20s to be like yeah. <laughs> um plus you know i i would watch movies for people that are about people whom i related to or like found just compelling like first it was actors and this 94 is right around the time where it just started to become about directors though not quite yet uh but like i would yeah i had a thing for winona Ryder, and so that's why i saw saw that movie yeah um and uh yeah and then introduce another big thing for me about 1994 was like a lot of these movies i saw at a really formative time but they also introduced me they were like real points from of departure for which my uh i would be exposed to a lot more things this is maybe not one of those movies as as directly though i say like i i became interested in ethan hawk as a as a actor and creative person whose career i followed and that's taken me down some you know interesting paths of like the things that he's he's done and made um i found it i really like the idea that like we this just this year we have each brought an Ethan Hawke movie that really meant a lot to us as you know younger versions of ourselves and seeing him at like different stages of his career in the in the uh you know because he was just a kid and his um after explorers he didn't do anything for the longest time because his mom wanted him did not want him to not go to school like she Oh you know, yeah. So he took a big break after Explorers uh to finish school before he started acting again. Um and I'm glad that he did. Uh, my only my only commentary though is I thought he played the character brilliantly. He just talked in clichés the whole, like the and I think that's yep. part of his shtick, you know, as yeah, a character. Yep. But every line that came out of his mouth was a cliché you know when even the he would get like so i did listen to the i didn't actually rewatch it but in the commentaries i listened to i there's one with ben stiller and the writer helen childress whose name i'm hoping i'm remembering correctly um but she she said like to see that movie it's a 10th anniversary dvd that has this commentary she's like like, a lot of this i really still like but i have to he's like i feel bad it the ethan hawk's character got saddled with all of my sort of more less realistic dialogue uh like giving him these like speeches to say um yeah. and it's like he had a lot he had to yeah she's like some of that stuff is a little cringy she would say yeah I, um, I, and i know the character that they're going for with it and and it, it's pulled off a little bit uh 
but it is a little at times that you're just like it's a little eye rolly where you're just like oh yeah. like, you get it like you're the angsty genius you know right like, yeah who's in love girl who is in love with you but neither one of you can get over your shit to tell each other yeah and and like so much like just like his ping to face and like yeah. mouth breathing <laughs> yeah 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 i think with ethan hawk for me i think it's i i don't I've I a lot of times will model myself. I have have throughout my life modeled myself for certain elements of people that I would look up to, dress like JCVD or try to move like JCVD or whatever. I've never tried to be like Ethan Hawke, <laughs> but I I relate to him a lot, <laughs> like in ways that I don't always like, but that are I'm compelled by. Um, and some of that started not so much with this movie, but with the with the DVD for it. I, so when I came to when this DVD came out in 2004, I was living in my parents' basement. Uh, it was newly, you know, separated. And um, looking back on this movie, and then like they show the the Ethan Hawke then, who he's like super gaunt. He's going through a divorce with Uma Thurman at the time, and he, and he had written this kind of fictional book that's not really about that but i was i don't know so the, he had made this movie called chelsea walls it was just the first movie he directed that that's uh, kind of an interesting movie made on video and that's how i got introduced to wilco and sort of this uh, i don't know it i was interested in him because of this movie that's kind of a much, much longer story uh but uh so i saw and then the his his association with richard linklater in the before sunrise films was a that's one that's really important to me. The first before sunrise came out in 95. Anyway, I was really relating to him on this new level because I was going through this divorce. And so I was seeing him t interviewed about his role in reality bites. And he was talking about that character and how it's weird because people that he's like more than probably any other character I've done. People kind of think that this is me. Yeah. Um, and to hear the people involved with the film talk about it, like he actually did, it kind of was <laughs> him at the time. Like yeah. he brought him, so he brought his own clothes, he brought his own kind of interests and stuff to that role, even though it was very much based on this friend of the writers, you know, an actual Troy. Um, yeah, he was this theater guy that had his his integrity man, and like yeah. <laughs> he was gonna stick to it and. And oddly enough, Ben Stiller um, wasn't necessarily slated to play that Michael character, the other part of the love triangle. Right. Um, they just, he was going to direct it and that's how he was attached to it. But eventually they ended up thinking, because that character was supposed to be much older. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, yeah, he, he said that like, Stiller said that like he had a kind of, not a contentious relationship with Ethan Hawke, but he was like this very appropriate relationship for like what their dynamic was right. in, in the movie right but had, nobody it was nice like to hear all the behind the scenes nobody had anything bad to say about anyone else that's um, good but so he was talking about like how people associate this character with him and he's like that wasn't exactly me but he's like he's like i totally understood though where this guy would have been coming from because it's this sort of projection of like what you would want to be like right. playing in a band and all this. He's like, right. I don't know the way he talked about it really resonated with me as a person who had always kind of like, there are these ideas of like how you would like to be as a man. <laughs> and, and 
and postures you might take on. Now, they're postures, but they are still informed by real things that you feel and want. Um, I don't know. So he's talking about this in the behind the scenes. And so I think that's part of what I mean by some of the ways in which I relate to him as a creative person, even though it's not like, it's a weird thing to the, it's, uh, I'm not like embarrassed about it because I refuse to be embarrassed by it, but it's a little odd to be like, uh, so enamored of Ethan Hawke. (laughs) I don't think so at all. I, he is drastically intriguing to me as an actor and as a person. I love watching inter. I I'm not a big interview kind of person, as far as like talk show, like late night, even talk show interviews. But anytime I see stuff with him, it's very, he is a little contentious in every interview. He's a little like, I feel like he's always on guard. Like he has to defend himself in some way, but I've eventually you realize like, no, that's just his, that's just his personality. And he's intense. He's a super intense individual, you know? And did you see the movie that he was in last year that like, it was considered an Oscar snub that he did not. I get. didn't know the Paul Schrader one. The, yeah, he's like first a priest reformed? or what? Yeah, he's like a yeah, priest. Or, I haven't seen that yet. Um, I need to see it because I uh, he I, I hear that's like the performance of his life. And I haven't seen any of the Sunset movies like but like. Oh, yeah. I love those movies. Yeah. And they basically take place like once every 10 years. There's a trilogy of them now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just got a criterion of those bad boys. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't seen those. I haven't seen about a boy. I haven't, you know, I haven't seen any of the, any, uh, what he is, his like critically positive roles, you know, or, or, or even fan positive roles. I haven't seen much of, I just know the stuff that I've seen with him and I do like it. Um, I, I think he's a great actor. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's where I was first exposed to him. And uh, yeah, I just have a real fondness. So, But definitely it's chronologically. This was the first yeah. movie to come out in that calendar year of the ones that I selected. <sighs> uh, I love the music in it. I love that soundtrack. I mean, yeah. even songs like from the 80s, like the... Uh, I can't remember what it is. I mean, I could sing it, but I'm not going to. But um, yeah, I, I, lo- I do love the, like, the dialogue and the dynamic, and it's fun to... Even though I didn't relate to the TV shows they were talking about when they were like talking about... Uh, they were playing like games, trying to name the, an episode of Good Times. Yeah. That started that kind of self-referential... Or not self-referential, but pop culture... Like movies talking about pop culture. Yeah. was something that yeah. was going to come up a lot in 1994. That's one of the times I saw it. I, I, yeah, I don't know. I just, I really, it's for me, it's like an eminently watchable movie. It's funny. It's touching. I, I, a lot of the ones that I pulled for my list come from this binder of favorites for the bride that I made when we right. were first getting together. And I put this in the category of tragic comedy. So that idea of dramedy. Yeah. Um, and I think that one of the, the guy, one of the people in the creative, t- the producer, I think was talking about how, uh, that was one of the strong suits that Ben Stiller brought to it was able to kind of preserve both a real life kind of scenario while maintaining this certain level of comedies that that's kind of best done in like Jim James Brooks's best movies, Cameron Crowe's best movies. Yeah. And I guess going back to Billy Wilder, who I've never actually watched those movies, but I've, I've always heard Cameron Crowe kind of go back there. So it has that, delicious like for me combination of like both like a really engaging sort of dramatic arc 
usually like around romantic relationships like i'm a sucker for a good romantic comedy, comedy but it's more than just that but equally hard like you're laughing just yeah. as hard as you're crying i think at, at, at pieces you yeah know? yeah and i just and I look at it as the it, cast it, yeah like janine groffalo is hilarious in this movie she is and really she was essentially funny. doing her own thing like when he her talk about it she's like yeah that's just that's how my hair was and i had a lunchbox for a purse and yeah steve zahn is perfect um yeah i love I that love she works at the gap story. and like at first she's just like a slacker and then they like like yeah <laughs> i i like the chrono like the the synopsis on amazon has this one line in it where it's like this irreverent look at the harsh realities of life after college captures the misadventures of liana blah 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 and aspiring tv you know but it's that the harsh realities after college which is not really uh, I guess um, St. Elmo's Fire kind of explores that that time period. Uh, it is it, it it's great to show though that that first year after college and like all the happenstance that can happen after it, in that period of your life, you know, where you kind of go from being a kid to being a grown up, and how that's yeah. not always fun. You know, and some of the, I love some of those fights they have about that where like Elena doesn't want to she's got got fired from her TV job and and uh, Janine Garofalo's character is like, oh, you're hired. You can work at the Gap. And then they yeah. have this awkward exchange where it's like, well, I'm not going to work at the Gap for Christ's sakes. But there's this real it's like that's one of those things. There are these handful of scenes where like the drama is. And actually, yeah. they did cut out some stuff with Elena's sister who was in like rehab. So they cut out some stuff that when I saw it on the deleted scenes, like made sense of how they needed to keep that balance of right. kind of drama and comedy or it would have been just uh, too much. I really think- I love that balance. I love that scene where like, remember, so after Troy and Elena sleep together and they, he doesn't really know what to do and he's like, they can, she, she confronts him at the, club or so i don't know she yells at him at this one point she's like oh you want to be in a band then be in a goddamn band rehearse like 10 times a day or, like yeah, I, yeah. I, a lot of the things that they argue about in that movie have have, have stuck with me <laughs> like i said i think it was a just prior to me being there a projection of what i sort of hoped <laughs> my 20s would be like and in some ways i suppose they were <laughs> all right Sorry, what were you gonna say <laughs> no i i i mean i think that it is I think that all that's accurate. I, I, I was going to say that I really feel that the nineties refined that, that dark comedy or dramedy genre of, because it's really just like a, it, it, you know, what we would call dramas. Now they used in like Greek um, performances. Those were called comedies. Like we would not, because it's it's this layer of emotion, you know, that how laughing and crying, that's why the drama has those two faces. They're the same, it's the same polarizing or um, outburst type of thing that these things should elicit. And it makes it feel real. Like it's not, things aren't, life is not 100% laughs and life is not 100% crying it's it's a real sprinkling of both of those things and when you get a movie that can balance them out nicely it makes it feel more approachable more realistic and easier for that film to become a a, a piece of somebody's life like it has for you um for yeah. sure yeah 
Uh, it, it definitely is. It was a kind of a weird one to start with. And there are a few in my list for the year that I think we'll just skip because yeah. uh, they have whole de- episodes you know, dedicated toward them already. All right. <laughs> um, well, and but, I mean, and that just makes room for more to talk about, more of from 94 to talk about. It's a whole year and we have a, a number of episodes left. Um, but we have like, we have like, three minutes left in this little in this 25 minutes so um if you're if if somebody if you're going to recommend this movie or i'm trying to think of what's a good way to say to ask what i what i would like to know from you uh yeah, I don't know. Let's. I, I guess the other question is, what one should we? What one can we expect next episode? Oh, uh, next episode would be the also came out in February of '94 is Eight Seconds with. The oh, new, I haven't seen that either. That's a good movie, and yeah. I haven't watched that one in a long time. To where I am, I do want to watch it again, and that's about. It's a biography of the uh, bull rider uh, Lane Frost, but it was. Play, who who passed away at a young age and is played by Luke Perry, who we just, just passed recently away. passed yeah. away at not quite a young age as that, but really quite quite young. Yeah, for, still young. Uh, but that, that's a, and it's directed by the guy who directed Rocky and the Karate Kid. Awesome. And has that kind of great like underdog, yeah, uh, vibe to it. But it's like a country story too, and and it, yeah. you know it got me got me wearing cowboy boots and listening to country music for about six months. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, six months! That's pretty long. You made it longer. I don't know if it's quite that long, yeah. but. Basically, up until the the crow hit me, and then I had a <laughs> drastic change. Right? Yeah, but I really like that movie. Um, I'm gonna have so to, I'm excited. To I, I'm looking to forward it. to checking that one out then, because uh, that's yeah. one that I've I, I that I totally missed growing up. So uh, it'll be good. It, it's just good excuse to see it finally. So yeah, and honestly, I only had like once you take away the crow, the crow is one of them. So go to episode fifty seven <laughs> for all things yeah. crow. Uh, well, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, the, I only really had like ten of them that came out of that I that I could really say had a, yeah. a significant uh, impact, and so well, I uh, would go I, back. I and maybe not even just an impact. Maybe like just looking at '94 as a whole. Maybe there's other ones in the periphery that help contributed to that era of film. That you know, maybe it's not one that didn't hit you. I would go through the Wikipedia, like the list of releases of '94. Yeah. If we're struggling for films. Like I wouldn't burn all the ones from your list. Like I wouldn't go, I would, if like, say there's a gap, I would go into Wikipedia and see if there's one that you can pull for that month or whatever. Or, oh yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, maybe like, I haven't, I haven't mapped these out. It also occurred to me, it's the 20th anniversary of 1999. So yeah, we could. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I, I like, I like holding out like that. We have to make long walk short drink last till the 25th anniversary of 99 so <laughs> yeah moto yeah so yep. we're talking movies i don't know maybe that would be interesting to extend beyond just films if we if it came to it but yeah, yeah the, like 94 woodstock Downward uh, spiral where, came yeah. out 94 that's outrageous uh yeah yeah <sighs> wow all right well there's a lot to think about but uh so eight seconds though for next episode uh, we'll revisit goals for next episode. Hopefully, I'll have some Woodstock Woodshop talk to to share. Oh, yeah. uh, more more scared stiff stuff. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, but I should I should be back to 100 percent by the t- next time. 
<laughs> that would be amazing oh, in terms of just being finally healthy. Oh, I hope that you're back to 100% by next time. So um, I'm just glad everything went well um, and that you're on the mend, even though it's not moving as smoothly as you would like it to. Uh, at least yeah. it's moving. All, all forward progress counts, buddy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's been an absolute pr- pleasure and thanks for being a trooper. And uh, Oh, is, this was way better than what I would have just been sitting on on the couch. So <laughs> awesome. <thank> <laughs> Good deal. Um, well, go... Uh, Go give your your pee pee some rest and uh, <laughs> well <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, take your your Tylenol PM and get some yeah. sleep and I'm gonna do the same but uh, it was an absolute pleasure and I'm looking forward to the next one. Likewise, thanks so much for this. It was just what I needed. <laughs> All right, so uh, long walk, short drink, cast. We're uh, this is 67, uh, 70s right around the corner. Start clear. Uh, keeping that in mind, we'd love to have you on for episode 70. Ooh, and I have a... So I know we got a little wrinkle. I know Twinkies days, he doesn't have Wednesdays off anymore, so we might have to oh, shift okay. our day. But one of one of the movies in my list and I, is one of the things that Twinkie f- first brought to the table when he was like, hey, can I come on the show? This is what I might talk about. So for 60... Hopefully we can get Twinkie on and for our 25 minutes on the 70. 25th. Sorry, 70. Yeah. Whoa, Jesus, 70. Yeah. So for our movie that that week, though, uh, perhaps we can talk Leon the Professional. Oh, fuck, yes. <laughs> God damn. Oh, that's a... Uh, Jesus. I mean, maybe more than 25 for that if we get other people that, involved, I, I'm, I'm I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to make it through that movie the 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 sexual tension stuff is really cringy. Creepy. I, like, I, I, <laughs> I haven't watched it. It was time. cringy then. I can't imagine what it's going to be like now uh, to sit through that. And <laughs> interesting. And uh, from what I know about the behind the scenes of that, like the director wanted there to be legitimate sexual tension between them. Like, uh, uh, yeah, which is. <laughs> fucked up <laughs> like it is <laughs> so fucked up I, I i mean at least i can like talk it off as like a schoolgirl crush it, and that's really what i think at the end is what it feels like is it's a schoolgirl crush, yeah you know yes yeah that's I, I, my memory of it <laughs> so but uh no i would love to have that him on for that one that's a great one um yeah so twinkie when you hear this maybe get that on your radar and we can perhaps we can Maybe figure out a day that would work. Maybe if we could time that out for episode 70, we could have everyone on. Yes. yes. <laughs> uh, oh, love it. Yeah. That'd be perfect. <laughs> so, um, all right. Well, uh, so we're, as Moto said, we're at uh, 85 subscribers. 85. Five yeah. isn't a letter, isn't a, isn't a number. <laughs> we're at 85 subscribers. Uh, if you happen to stumble upon this and uh, you're listening to this right now, we'd love it if you head over to our YouTube channel and subscribe. We're trying to hit our... I, I promise I'm going to stop talking about subscribers uh, once we hit 100 and just let it naturally progress after that point. Um, but we'd love to get our unique URL. So uh, if you could head over to YouTube and subscribe, that'd be great so we can do that. Uh, you can also subscribe on all your different podcasting apps uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Stitcher, any of those. Just search Long Walk Short Drink. Follow us over at Twitter at Long um, LWSD Pod, 
at LWSD pod. Uh, if you are wanting to listen to different seasons where you can hear the breathing method or uh, the body, which uh, stand by me is based on Shawshank Redemption. All of those are in one collection of stories called different seasons. You can get that audiobook for free by heading over to audibletrial.com slash LWSD and sign up for your 30 day trial on uh, for audible uh, download. You get a free audiobook. You can get different seasons. You could get what's is that a book? The one you keep talking about where the guy was like, live your perfect day, like live towards making oh, one perfect yeah. day. Is that a book? I think it is. Uh, here, I'll find out what it is quick. Um, it's it's well, different than I'm portraying it. <laughs> Much more kind of alpha male, but <laughs> uh, that's okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, head over to audibletrial.com slash LWSD and get your free audio book. Um, you can always email us at. Uh, lwsdpod at gmail.com um, I got the book it's, what's it? it's called it's called own the day own your life optimize practices for waking working learning eating train training playing sleeping and sex by Aubrey Marcus <laughs> fuck man <laughs> but uh, yeah a, you can find that a dude named Aubrey's got to make up for some shit and like <laughs> Yeah, I, that actually, from what I know, is a little bit true. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm still working my way through Unfuck Yourself, which we've talked about, a lot about on the show. Uh, Palmer, that was a standout for Palmer's uh, reading of books of that nature last year, and Double D stands by it. Um, I'm pretty far into it. I really like it, too. So yeah. that one's by... Fuck. I forget. It's a, he's an Irishman. Neil Bishop? Is that I, I, That sounds right. Unfuck yourself. Uh, here. He's Scottish, right? Oh, yeah. Scottish. Sorry. Which I'm actually reading it um, like an idiot on paper, <laughs> but I would love but to hear this on, guy say on, something. On Audible, he reads the actual, uh, he reads the audiobook. Gary John Bishop. That's his name. Gary John yeah. Bishop. It's only like th- three hours and change. So get that on us by going to audibletrial.com slash LWSD. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Slash LWSD. It's your podcast. I know, but I'm I'm so used to not saying it, but hearing you say it and being like, that sounds right. And I know that I fuck it up. Yeah, that's hilarious. I love it. No, it's like... it's That's just terrible. a running joke at this point. I love it. Yeah. So, um, but if uh, if you're worried about typing in the wrong thing, go to the podcast app on which you're listening. Hit the description button, and there's a link right there. I'll take yeah. it right on your phone or your computer. Get all any and all those awesome. And just remember, there. we record these episodes. If you're listening to this on a podcast, we record these episodes live on the off Wednesdays. So this comes out on a Wednesday. The Wednesday before that, we recorded it live over on our YouTube channel. So if you want to hear the whole conversation. Chisel out some time on your Wednesdays, uh, and you can join us in the evening, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, roughly, on uh, every off Wednesday, we'll record our episodes live uh, on YouTube. So, Yeah, join us for those. Yeah, come, come, come join us live. Chat live. Usually there's other cast members in the chat who are interacting with us as well, and uh, you get to be a part of the show that way. So... Um, other than that, I think, I think that's about it, man. We, look at that. 1057 fucking banging. Love it. Yeah. Love that it. Was, that was a good time. That was just what I needed. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm glad, buddy. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad we tough, you toughed it out and we, and we got in and we're able to do this. It, it, it's so awesome. 
So I'm glad you got your unicorn machine. Oh yeah, I'm gonna go play a game actually <laughs> you right some now. Pant sizes, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, man. Well, go take care of your PP, and uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna go do. down and play some pinball before I go to bed. So, all right, take care. All right, yep. See you, long walkers. We'll see you next time. Cheers, everybody.